deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, Zizi. And I'm Liz. And Liz, I might be sounding am i sounding any different to you this week i How's don't my, think so maybe maybe i'm crazy or maybe people will notice this but i um nearly lost my microphone technician certification Uh-oh. um that we both fought so hard for right earlier yeah this year. they don't let you start a podcast until you have one of those that's right you need to be certified uh in microphone use um so you uh on the common room were having an issue a while back where the mic was facing the wrong way uh, yeah that's a common common pitfall um. <laughs> <laughs> for microphone uh technicians yeah um and while my uh microphone blunder is not that i think it might be just as bad mm. um i have a slip cover for my microphone that like fits over it so like, you know it's a, it's a wind guard it stops the the popping of peas uh and, and and air brushing over it causing you know distortion and whatnot um i have apparently been I don't know for how many episodes, uh, talking into the, uh, like wrong part of the microphone, like Mm. it's been too low. So it's been like aimed kind of at my throat or like maybe my, the top of my chest a little bit, like right here. Sure. Yeah. Um, and like, like, you know, I, I, obviously I comb through our audio while I'm editing and it hasn't been like too bad or anything, but like, I did have a moment last week where I was like, didn't I spend like two hundred dollars on a new microphone? Does it is this really right? Is this correct? Is this, <laughs> is this really what I sound like? Um, but I, I I think I've adjusted it to a a proper height now, um, so I might be might be sounding a little better, which is good because we are we are in a new season. You know, maybe by book seven. I was going to say just in time. We. <laughs> We were like, okay, we're going to read all the Harry Potter books. There are seven of them. Here mm-hmm. we are, the final chapter. Yeah. And and we, we're all set up. We're all set up. I have my microphone in the right spot. Um, maybe I'll sound a little better. Uh, maybe 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 I'm crazy. Maybe no one will notice. Who knows? But but one thing's for certain, I did just barely scrape by and get my, my certification uh, once again. So I, I am now a certified mic tech once more, along with you. Uh, we're good. <laughs> Wonderful. We're, Just in time. Everything, system's nominal. Everything is good. Before we get to book seven, obviously, we have uh, our, our, you know, lots of tradition to get to. We've got to get to our news, uh, of which there is not much, but there is a little bit. J.K. Rowling still tweeting. Um, I'm over it now, I think. Are, are you over it? How are you feeling about, about following her tweets? Um... She's the only mega celebrity I follow on Twitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. If there are any others, you know, in in my f- my following list, they they are long since muted and forgot about. Um, mm. uh, but but she's she's out there. She's tweeting. Um, she's liking tweets that I don't want to see. Um, mm-hmm. A lot. Uh, that's, I guess, just the the normal thing these days. Um, but that's not what I want to talk about. And I think I touched on this maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, but 
I I have been struck by the fan base and her <laughs> her, her replying ecosystem, uh, <laughs> and I talked about it um, because it seemed like it was just a frenzy when she came back, but it seems to have no sign of stopping. Mm. And I don't think this bothers her um, because <laughs> I think that she's. Um, I think she eats it up. Otherwise, why would she? Do oh yeah, it, she, she right? loves this shit for sure. But I, if I were posting, like, say, a picture of my dog, I don't have a dog. But if I did, and I was like, "Here's a picture of my dog. Isn't my dog cute?" And if I had just thousands of replies on that that were completely unrelated, people just quote tweeting their bullshit at me, I would be so mad. <laughs> Please just say my dog is cute, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's the um it's the ecosystem of people trying to like now that they now that she's like thrown, you know, she she's thrown them some chum. Like she she retweets and quote tweets a lot of people who send uh-huh. her random shit, right? Right. And so now, I mean, like everyone's off to the races, right? Like there's no stopping them. They will if they see that she has tweeted and she's looking at her phone, they will send her a picture of like the cake they made that has uh the HP logo on it or the uh um the the photorealistic pencil drawing they did of Emma Watson. Right. They'll link her to that. And then if they get a favor or we retweet, they will change their display name to J.K. Rowling's best friend and tweet incessantly about it for the rest of their life. Right. They will pin the tweet. That's, you know, cry, crying so much. I can delete Twitter now. This is all I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on and on. Um, it, I, I just can't. And she she obviously loves it, right? Because she engages yeah. with it that way. She's quote tweeting things. It really is, um, uh, you know, like a like a king passing through the pores and like distributing, <laughs> like throwing gold coins yeah. into the air, um, yeah. for for them to get. And, and I just, I it would drive me crazy, right? Like like she like she posted her dog, and there was just someone in the replies that was like, "Hey, J.K. Rowling, look at my um dark mark tweet." Uh, tattoo. Some people are saying this is like a swastika. What do you think? <laughs> Just trying to get her to comment on this. Um, let me find my favorite one. And, and, and some a little bit of forewarning. This one is depressing, but it is depressing in multiple ways. Mm. This was a reply. I can't actually. I think this might have just been at her, like while she was tweeting, and it was at J.K. Rowling. Just lost my Hermione yesterday night, hit by a car, and they've attached a picture of, like, a, you know, a very cute picture of their now-deceased cat. Um, so, 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 so sad. I'll feel a little better if you notice. And then oh, my God. Th- and then three of the pleading sub-emojis. <laughs> it's madness. It is it's, madness out there. It's crazy out there. There are you- thousands of these tweets. Like, we've, got, oh. we've got we've got the cakes, we've got the crafts, we've got the drawings, we've got the sob stories, and it is just an endless barrage. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a it's quite a little like petri dish that she's got going here of like like Twitter interactions that that like I guess she was just starved of for the two years that she was away, uh, and and it's just kicking into overdrive now. Um, she's like just being aside from her like absolutely awful faves and whatnot. Her oh uh, yeah. Her tweets are just like so aggressively normal now that it's so it's a bit right. Like this is her slumming it. Um, 
like the the thing she's on most recently is uh uh the she she quote tweeted a like just one of those you know one of the millions of just like cool facts accounts right like, like mm-hmm. she, she loves quoting and, and posting those neat neat cool facts uh accounts and and uh uh She's she's very very into uh, uh, you know putting a, a pithy comment on those, but she like did all these posts about how much it sucks to like have meetings, and it's like you're a billionaire. What are you <laughs> ma- like? What are you talking about? When have you ever been like impugned upon for a meeting? Like like like. <laughs> You've not experienced this for at least 30 years, surely. <laughs> this idea of like, ugh, I have a meeting this afternoon, my day is ruined. It's like, what do you what? You live you live in a fucking castle. What are you what are you doing? I I just I had this I'm having this moment right now where I am seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, I have loved doing this podcast. I am I'm a little bit dreading being done with Harry Potter just because mm. it's been, we've been doing it for so long. It's been such a journey. We're on the final book, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel and it is me finishing uh finishing Deathly Hallows, I suppose Deathly Hallows part 2, the movie, and going on Twitter and unfollowing and blocking JK Rowling. <laughs> and what what the a evil, wonderful day that will be. The evil is defeated. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, so I've I've two pieces of news for you uh, in regards to that. Maybe maybe good news, maybe bad news, depends on how you see it. Um, number one, Deathly Hallows has thirty seven chapters, so we are going to be at this at least until like early to mid twenty twenty one. So we we got some time. I don't know. I don't know how to digest this. Um, and then uh, 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 second of all, I think you know this is obviously stuff we're gonna have to discuss once once we are you know beyond the Potter zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we might still need to keep following J.K. Rowling because um, obviously we've got the Crimes of Grindelwald sequel coming up. <laughs> we've got the the game. We, we I think I think we will never truly escape Harry Potter even if we're not reading it on the show. I think well, I guess then I will just I will just hold out hope that she says some kind of like lore bullshit on Twitter. We can we can get our content out of that, and she will she will take her ball and go home once more and stop tweeting. <laughs> Maybe you can block and unfollow, and I'll and I'll just I'll just still be in the trench, uh, mm. uh, uh, looking for the important the important posts. Are there, so I guess this is a question that I have. Like I said, I, I do not follow other mega celebrities. Mm. Are there any others that are like this? Like this particular Petri dish you said of like reply people. Mm. Is this unique to her? Um, I I don't know. I'm not like the, I, 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 I can't give a an exact answer. Just because, like, I also, like, I don't follow any mega celebs. Um, I think when, when like, those posts, like, do cross my, you know, like, when whenever the guy who plays Captain America does an epic own on, on President Cheeto uh, and everyone retweets it, like, occasionally that will, like, cross over my, my desk, right? And I think a lot of the replies to those will be, are, like, 
come to Brazil, <laughs> right? Like that's that's the that's <laughs> yeah. also a, and that's that's also a genre of post that J.K. gets. Oh, for sure. Uh, um, I think that it's it's just that like it's the perfect storm of like it's probably like this for all celebs, but J.K. Rowling is just such an online celeb, like more than most, I think. Yeah, I guess she does cultivate it, right? And 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 also, I I think that's the other part too is that she encourages it because, like like I said, a million people can reply to I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of another celeb, Taylor Swift, uh, and and say Taylor Swift, uh, my leg just got run over by a semi truck. It hurts mm. so much. I'm in so much pain. But if you faved this. I would be at least be a little happy. Right. Um, and I th- don't think that Taylor, Sw- I, I could be wrong. I'm just like picking a random celeb here, but I don't think that Taylor Swift would retweet that. And JK Rowling would is the thing. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that, that by feeding into that, she has just made the problem. Maybe she doesn't even view it as a problem, but she's made that, um, that like, uh, uh, like weird reply culture thing that much works by by responding to it yeah i mean i i guess you're right and if she did think it was a problem then she wouldn't do that there was yeah. there was another person that that uh she retweeted specifically because they had um you know a a store a sentimental story about um, Harry Potter meaning a lot to them, and then also their display name or their last name, which was their Twitter name, was a Harry Potter word. And so she said, "Like I couldn't not retweet this uh, with that last name." And I'm just like, "Oh, she's just she's just cultivating that. She's uh, laying it on a little thick for uh-huh. sure." Yeah, yeah. So I, I it is. I I think it's definitely like a, a problem of her own doing. I just don't know if she even considers it a problem, right? Like it's like a she... problem for me having to see it. <laughs> yes, I hate it. It's a problem for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I have one other small piece of news here, uh, which is surprisingly, this is going back to a well that we haven't dipped into for a while. Uh, it's theme park related. The Universal Studios theme parks are building a I, I i don't know anything about parks so i i could be way off base here but i think this is like a new universal park called epic universe love this that is, name this is where the nintendo world is going if you remember the announcement uh, of that a while back um, okay so there's going to be the the nintendo theme park with the Donkey Kong coaster and the Yoshi family ride. I'm just looking at the map that's posted here. Um, there's going to be a How to Train Your Dragon park. There's a Universal Monsters park where, where all of the fun Dark Universe stuff goes. All of that very important stuff. Sure. And then not only is there going to be more Harry Potter stuff, there is specifically going to be, separate from the Wizarding World uh, Universal park, a Fantastic Beasts park. Oh, thank God. A a dedicated Fantastic Beasts park that, according to this article from MuggleNet, has not one, but two, and I'm going to give you a drum roll here. Can you guess what from Fantastic Beasts they could possibly put in the theme park? I, I was just about to ask you that because I'm trying... I'm- desperately searching my memories to come uh-huh. up with a location 
um, in those movies that isn't just like muggle New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of the wizard locations that I can think of are all just like office buildings because they Uh go to like the ministry building or whatever. But it's just follow that thread. I don't know. Execution room extravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) They are supposedly building the British Ministry of Magic and the French Ministry of Magic. Why? Why? (laughs) That is There's nothing. It's just a building. It's just like an office building. They're just two office buildings. One of them has a library, I guess. What? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Why Why are they investing so much in this failed movie franchise? I don't know. According to the article, a new permit for Epic Universe has recently filed, blah, blah, blah. The image above is a rumored sizing. Red area will be the British ministry featuring a theater and an interior street area. The idea is that guests will enter the ministry through the flu network and will be transported through the iconic fountain and statues we're familiar with from the film. Yes, the iconic fountain and statues. Uh, the, the, the statue that even Harry admits is a little racist, uh, is, is going to be there. There are no clear plans of what the theater attraction will be yet, but we can come up with a few fun guesses. The green area will be the French ministry. Perhaps there will be a port key waiting for guests to transport them there from the British ministry. The blue areas are said to be Paris themed shops and restaurants. This is grim. This is I guess really there's some grim. stuff you could do for the, minis- the British Ministry of Magic. I'm picturing like a, and I'm sorry to any theme park fans. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't like roller coasters. I don't go to theme parks. Um, but I guess I'm picturing like the, um, one of the ones that's more of just an experience ride, right? Like it's not a roller coaster. I guess like similar to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, yeah. um, where you like go through like the Department of Mysteries and stuff and see mm. the brain room. See the brain room. Ooh, now I'm on board. I want to see the brain room. <laughs> they could have an animatronic um, Death Eater with a baby head. Uh, you could go through like the Hall of Prophecy or whatever, and they could set up like animatronics for like Lucius Malfoy being like, give me your phone. Um <laughs> So I guess there's like some potential with the British Ministry of Magic. With the French Ministry, I—that's just an office building. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think there's any like adventure scenes there, other than well, there's the maybe zoo the zoo part. But that, but that's not really about the building. It's more because yeah. they're just in a room with a bunch of bookshelves, and the yeah. zoo is like using them as terrain to do yeah. cool god the animation that's my that's still my highlight moment in that movie that's like the, the one animation really cool the part of the movie so cute yeah yeah that part's great um yeah i i have no idea i can't wait to find out what it could possibly be but i just i just found that very funny is it like oh we're building a new theme park and our our best our biggest get is we're building some offices for people to explore yeah, I, I cannot imagine why they would want to invest so... Ha- I mean, they I guess they're all in on the Fantastic Beasts thing, right? Mm, yeah. I I just don't know, like, where with especially, one, where things are right now. Like, I mean, I guess Disney's opening again soon, right? So, like, just the idea, but the idea of, like, building and promoting a theme park right now just feels so gauche. But also, yeah. the idea that, like... There, there is something so incredibly sad to me about the, like the potential story of like someone risking it all and breaking quarantine to go f- visit the British and French Ministry of Magic <laughs> buildings. Like, come on, man. <laughs> 
at least go somewhere cool. <laughs> at least do something fun. Don't go to a fucking fake British office building. Yeah. All I remember from the office building in Fantastic Beasts is you see the the house elf washing the windows or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not it's not, not great. good. Not not great. Well, that's all I've got for news. Uh, before we get into our chapter, though, since this is our first episode of Deathly Hallows content, I would like to take an aside to talk about, you know, kind of a little preface. Where where were we at when this book came out? How did we feel about it when we first read it? I mean, like, I'm sure that's no surprise to anyone who's listened this far, but but just just for the sake of, uh, um, you know, getting 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 it down on paper in the first deathly hallows episode uh uh what what's what's going on paint a, paint me a picture of 2007 um so let me let me think because this is my harry potter tragedy i guess mm, and mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of stuff going on in my life in 2007 i was 17 which is not a great age to be Mm-mm. um and i was still really into harry potter i definitely was still sort of on board with Half-Blood Prince um, Mm -hmm. and didn't think... I don't think I liked it. I I think I was in denial about my disappointment. Um, But I definitely went out and got Deathly Hallows um, on, you know, release night and and did the thing and read it. um, Read it all the way through in in a day and a half or whatever. And and this was kind of the moment that I broke with Harry Potter. Okay. I was like, this sucks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is there a specific part you remember, or is it just like overall, just being like just co- just completely overall, start to finish? Yeah, yeah. I um I was kind of in a similar spot. I uh this would have come out in the summer, so I I really could have read it just in like basically one sitting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, after the midnight release, um, and I went into it already being a little exasperated with the sixth book. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we have talked about, like, even, even at the time as a 17 year old with, uh, pretty bad taste, uh, <laughs> I just like hated the Horcruxes. I was, I was so irritated by them. I, I was so convinced even at the time I was like, there is no way that you planned for this. This is a total ass pull in the last third of the sixth book. And the idea that then, um, you know, the seventh book would not only be about getting the rest of those, but also introducing a new set of MacGuffins to collect. I was like, and it, and I think that, you know, my, 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 uh, the way that the, the, these opinions manifested then are definitely a lot more cinema than they are now. Right. Mm, sure. But, but I, I was still firmly just like this is a disaster like this none of this was planned this was all just pulled out of her ass at the last minute and i can't believe it's all about collecting magic objects i i think that my experience and i'm excited to go back to deathly hallows with fresh eyes as i was Mm -hmm. for half-blood prince because i i was disillusioned after half-blood prince but i was still pretty in it um and was still reading a lot of fan fiction at the time. And and this is almost not fair to J.K. Rowling, mm-hmm. um, which is that I read a lot of, uh, like, speculative Horcrux stuff that kind of brought me back around to it. 
mm-hmm. um, and and made me a little bit more cautiously optimistic. But I think the introduction of the Hallows at the time was so truly shocking to me, like shockingly bad. I it I couldn't I couldn't believe it. And so I'm very curious to go back um, outside of of um, of that context of having hopes and speculation and having been reading um, a bunch of like fan content in Harry Potter and just see what the story is on its own terms. I'm not optimistic, but I am curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm definitely in the same boat where I like, I, I think that I enjoy melodrama in stories more now than I did as a teen. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like appreciate it differently now. Right. To, to where I like I might actually end up enjoying the camping stuff more than I did then. Yeah. Cuz you know, cuz cuz you know, when I was a teenager I just like I just want something to capital H happen, right? Oh, yeah, I wanted I wanted epic battles. I wa- I didn't care about the like main kid characters at all, right? <laughs> I wanted the politics, I wanted the like high-minded um uh like epic stuff whereas and, and that made me not like Half-Blood Prince. Um, mm. A lot of the teen drama stuff really, I hated. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying it was handled well now, but I have more of an appreciation and think that a lot of exactly. that was my favorite stuff um, uh, in Half Blood Prince. So I'm I feel I I feel like that might end up being my takeaway with Deathly Hallows as well. Yeah, I'm I I'm certainly more open to that kind of thing now than I was then. So that'll be interesting to revisit. Um. Would you like to know a little bit about the marketing and promotion of this book? Oh, before? God, yes. Absolutely. I'm sure this will bring back memories. Yeah, yeah. So this is, I'm just pulling from the Wikipedia entry here, but there's a lot of stuff here that I remember. Um, Scholastic, the American publisher of the series, launched a multi-million dollar There Will Soon Be Seven marketing campaign with a night bus traveling to 40 libraries across the U.S., online fan discussions and competitions, collectible bookmarks, tattoos, and the staged release of Seven Deathly Hallows Questions, most debated by fans. In the build-up to the book's release, Scholastic released seven questions that fans would find answered in the final book. And these were like, if I remember right, these were released like once a week or something. I think I uh, still have my I Trust Snape sticker from the oh, midnight yeah. release. Because that was one of the things where you got to choose the I Trust Snape or mm-hmm. whatever the other one was. Um, right. I obviously trusted Snape and was proven yeah, correct. Absolutely. Proven correct. But so so going going in uh descending order here, number seven, mm-hmm. what are the Deathly Hallows? I guess that it that's it that is a good question to have in the seventh book. Uh what is the thing that this is t- the high title is referencing? <laughs> number six, will Voldemort be defeated? Number five, where are the Horcruxes? <laughs> number four, who ends up with whom? Number three, will Hogwarts reopen? Number two, is Snape good or evil? And number one, who will live, who will die? I feel like some of those are a little redundant, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of these are kind of all the same question, honestly. This was obviously the one that leaked. Were you aware of the leak? Did Did you see anything from it before this book? Before you read the book, it, I was I was dealing with my own teen drama. I yeah. I am sure that I knew about it. I don't I don't have a great recollection of of that period of time in my life. Yeah, uh, according to Scholastic, apparently one ten thousandth of the U.S. supply also shipped early. <laughs> uh, so about twelve hundred copies uh, uh, got out early. This was another one where they like desperately tried to get people to send them back. 
uh, uh, for like a t-shirt or whatever, which is kind of funny. There was also an insane uh, pricing war over this book. Mm. Uh, supermarkets were announcing that they were selling it for like five bucks. Uh, and so bookstores were just completely fucked because like obviously yeah. they can't sell they can't sell a book that cheap. That's their entire business model. Um, and it became a huge, huge deal. I don't know if any legislation ever got like passed because of this, but it it, uh, it, it was a big, big deal. And then obviously it sold jillions upon jillions of copies. It got great reviews. Uh, it got tons of awards and the rest is history. Ever read the reviews for this one? I feel like both both negative and positive reviews of Harry Potter are just some of the most useless things imaginable. Except for this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, like, consumer reviews, right? Yes. Like, like I'm giving this a 7 out of 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the zeitgeist was in such full swing. Like, I... Do you remember when we were covering book four, I think, when sort of the tone changed? Yeah. And we found those reviews, and, and like we we're trying to like dig through all those reviews to see if anyone had anything to say about that. And like mm-hmm. every single review was just like, Harry and his friends have another magical adventure that will grip you until the last page is turned. Like that's every single review. And right. then the ones that are negative are like, Harry Potter and his friends have another adventure that will suck ass because you're a, a, a little nerd who likes crap for babies, right? Like, That's those right. are the only two reviews that kind of existed in the 2000s, I feel. Is it, um, is it GameSpot reviews that were like those, the, they would have the, that really, like, elaborate metric to review video games where it was like, nine, like, 70 out of 100 graphics and like... Oh, For, yeah, 40 out of old, 100 story or whatever. Yeah, the um, old GameSpot uh, uh, method where yeah, each they individual like thing. A grand overall score out of those metrics. Um, yeah. We could maybe do that uh, once we're done with all of the Harry Potter books, but it would be characters, themes, and facts. And then we could create, <laughs> we could create an overall score. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, you know, this is the last book in the series, uh, which is going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to be feeling a lot of feelings reading this. But also, I just have to keep in mind, like, this is chapter wise one of the longest in the series, uh, right behind Order of the Phoenix. I'm I'm trying to go into this without too much of me just feeling like it's going to suck ass. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it to to feel that way. Like I don't want it want to be negative. Um, I'm definitely like aware of my pre existing feelings about it, but like I also because I hated it so much at the time, I've never re- revisited it at all. Right, so it is maybe the freshest time I can possibly go into one of these now. Yeah, I mean, we've read one chapter and I'm like, this might as well be a new Harry Potter book released yesterday. I have no, <laughs> I've got nothing. I know yeah. some of the facts of what happens, mm-hmm. but the experience of reading it, Half-Blood Prince was similar, but it did, some of it did come back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I might as well be going in completely blind. Yeah, this will, this will be unlike any of the other ones. Even Half Love Prince, which I I also you know still didn't love at the time, but like this is one that I never listened to the audiobook of again. I never opened the book again. I've seen the movies each exactly once in the theaters and never revisited them. Right, like I just 
I, I have the least amount of hours invested in book seven as a thing. Um, and I remember very little. So in a, in a way, it's exciting. Yeah. Um, can we talk very briefly on, like, I, I know it's like Half-Blood Prince, it happened, right? We're not super happy with Horcruxes. We're not super <laughs> happy with Half-Blood Prince. But in my mind... I still, and like I said before, like I'm shocked that the Deathly Hallows are a thing in this book. But do you think that if we can just accept that the Horcrux thing happened, if this were a book just about finding those Horcruxes and killing Voldemort, that that would have just been a fine send off? Because I think that's what yeah. I was expecting. Yeah, I think I think I can accept one round of MacGuffins, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the other layer of of them also adding another thing and introducing it specifically in this book that makes it more aggrieving to me. Just, just like, like not only do we have the Horcruxes, which like, I guess I can accept on, on its own. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but also adding this other layer of like the same thing. And also there's, there's an extra layer of this now that I didn't obviously didn't then, which I do have now going into this realizing that the, Deathly Hallows and, you know, the tale of the Paravel brothers and and whatnot when we get to it, it is just a really watered down Chaucer reference. (laughs) And I, and I have a lot of feelings about that, (laughs) um, which will be interesting to unpack. Uh, Yeah, I think that it could have been, it, it was salvageable, I think. Yeah. I have one more question. Um, and, and this, like the other question is, I'm, I, I think it's one that I want to ask at the beginning and also at the end, similar to um, yes. my question about the Horcruxes, which is, do you think um, Harry should have gone back to Hogwarts for school in this book? Yes, if only for a few chapters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this this is a very knee-jerk answer, right? Like, I'll probably have more nuanced opinions on this as we read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we did just end the book six discussion with us saying who would go back to Hogwarts now. <laughs> um, but, but at the same time, I think that maybe a, like, reluctant couple of chapters of him being like, damn, wish I wasn't at Hogwarts right now and it sure has changed, uh, would have been interesting. It, it, it's like, it's the... That that's like setting your white balance, right? It's the that's mm. your that that that's how you like get the story centered before you change it up, right? Um, and not having that at all in this is an interesting choice. I'm very biased in stories towards settings, mm. and I I think that it was such a shock to my system having having this one not take place at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy, and I think that part of the issue with it that that you know, or at least what I'm expecting to be some of the issue with it that I I remember is that like Hogwarts itself is such a well-defined setting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's Hogwarts could be considered one of the characters of the story, but <laughs> like it it is it is a very very well-realized location versus the rest of this, which I think that like if you don't have much experience, like being in the english countryside i think that it just sort of comes off as like generic maybe because I, I don't remember mm-hmm. like 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 jk rowling is a is a great uh, uh character writer and like yeah. dialogue writer and everything but she's not particularly descriptive right like she's not a tolkien she's not someone who will like write a page about how how what a field looks like right mm-hmm. or, 
I think that this book might suffer a little bit because of that, because we're moving out of a very, uh, you know, a, a, a location that has been built up over six books to up to this point versus just being told, well, we're in England. And like, that's just too broad for this, I think. I think Harry Potter works or the Harry Potter setting works best um, when it feels like a um, video game where there's no real overworld map. You just select locations (laughs) and you know that the wider world exists, right? Yeah. But it's fuzzy. And, And I think that that's why I've always kind of hated the, like, I didn't like in Half-Blood Prince when we went to the cave. I didn't like when we went to, we, we saw in the pensive memories, the like village that the, the Gaunts lived in, for instance. Like they mm-hmm. just aren't any of those strong locations. Cause I, I think that having the locations that Harry goes to, the Dursleys, Diagon Alley, Hogwarts, Hogsmeade, keeps the story small. And it needs, yes. I just, I, I think one of my biggest takeaways from reading this is that Harry Potter needs to stay as a small story. Yeah. Yeah. And they, that goes beyond the setting, but it's definitely like a, one of the biggest symptoms of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, of just like, the, like the, the scope of the story has changed. The politics have gotten grander uh, and more complex and the locations have gotten more diverse and like less specific. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see how I end up feeling about it when I actually read read that stuff. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the poem? Two poems uh, are in the uh, epitaph here. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with that? What, do you, what? How do you feel about those? So I'm dumb as hell with poetry. Yeah, I, abs. I I <laughs> I really am. I've been reading Harry Potter for what feels like six years. I cannot read anything more advanced than a second grade level right now. And I certainly cannot read poetry. Um, but I did spend a bit of time um, reading reading this poem um, up and down. Um, and, and I think it's not it's not a difficult poem for sure. Um, it, it is and you can uh, agree or disagree with me that it is about um, death and how you are immortal because you live through your children, basically. Yes. Is it about the epilogue? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. D- d- this, I mean, like, this is her whole, this is her whole thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, th- and this is going to <sighs> come out, come up a bit. I actually, um, uh, highlighted some stuff, uh, from the, from the Wikipedia page that I got some of this new stuff from. So the epigraph at the beginning Mm-hmm. It, has, it has two poems, uh, and one of them is by a Quaker, uh, and and uh, one of them is, and I'm very bad at pronouncing Greek names, but the one you are referring to, I think, is Aeschylus, Aeschylus, Aeschylus. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad at, at this, but it is from like 400 BC, right? The Libation Bearers, and she chose those two poems because she says they, you know, they have, you know. Uh, they have the same theme, and I always knew that these were going to be the two passages since Chamber was published. I always knew that if I could use them at the beginning of book seven, then I'd queued up the ending perfectly. If they were relevant, then I I went where I needed to go. That just says it all to me. They really do. There's another part there where she says, I really enjoy choosing these two quotations because one is pagan and one is from a Christian tradition. Wow. Wow. So there's a little... <laughs> Yeah, she's J.K. Rowling is in her fucking bag in this book, is what I'm saying. I think about the epilogue as 
extraneous. Like, I can't believe that she thinks of that as the way this is going. Mm Because it just is like a, it's like a hangnail on this book. Who cares? Yeah. And maybe this is just, I don't disagree. And, but I, I am also so curious to get to the epilogue again because I am like I I'm just like like you mentioned when we were talking about Twilight on the Common Room last week mm-hmm. the like the fantasy slash the theme of like everything is good as long as you get married and have kids <laughs> yeah. is so unappealing to me right uh-huh. like just I do, I don't care well I don't think it is about you know like like that's what really gets to me is um and I also think that um both of these poems can be take it like sit like chop off the epilogue pretends it pretend it doesn't exist let's take the text uh, like on its own too without what we know about jk rowling and mm-hmm. i would read these poems and i would read them as more broad and figurative right absolutely because, yeah like absolutely like it would just be you know i mean it's not uncommon to say like y- you you may die and death is not scary you are made immortal um, by the world you leave behind and yeah. and the people the thing the things you do the people you touch etc right yeah. like it the especially the greek one is a lot more figurative right mm-hmm. like it it is it is about leaving something behind even when you die but the the like but but att- reattaching the epilogue on here and looking at the quite literal sense of having children as being how you make yourself immortal in the world um <laughs> i'm just like you know, it just I'm, I'm boggled by this. Boggled, b- combination of boggled and bored by it. I think. Yeah. Uh, for me, just like this is, a, this is a story about kids, not about having kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the kids, the kids are the characters. That's that's a weird one. It, it was especially funny to me. I because obviously I can't go out and buy a copy of Harry Potter right now. Uh-huh. I had to spring for the the ebook version, and yeah. I went for the. What is called the enhanced edition. Ooh. And what does I, that mean? That is a very good question. Uh, it says at the beginning, with illustrations, animations, and annotations throughout. That's so exciting. I have not hit any animations or annotations yet, but I have hit some illustrations. But the font work they have chosen <laughs> is so funny. It looks like The Last of Us box art. Wonderful. It is it is the most serious, bold faced sans serif font that they have chosen to present all of the um the chapters, chapter headers, and the poems and whatnot in. It is really extra. Um and it's it's creating it's imposing a tone over this book, I think. That's wonderful. I'm so intrigued by that. I didn't even see that as an option. I just bought the normal the normal ebook. Yeah, this is this this might be an iOS exclusive. I did the, I did this on my phone. Mm. Um, I will definitely when I get to some animations and annotations, I will keep you up to date on what I'm seeing because it I, is. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, I cannot wait to know what the hell that means and what right. I paid an extra three dollars for. The time is now. The time is now. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, seven out of seven. Chapter one. The Dark Lord Ascending. I sound like I'm about to read the audiobook. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you're going to join the Harry... We did get invited to the Harry Potter at Home thing, finally. Yep, and we're reading the, the first chapter of the last book, so that'll be a while. All right, so we read chapter one, The Dark Lord Ascending. Um, there are a couple of mysterious figures, and they're traveling together. Um, it's Those mysterious figures are revealed to be Snape and some guy named Yaxley, who I think that we've seen before, or at least has been named before. Maybe it was at the Department of Mysteries? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Uh, they're chatting. Um and Snape says he's got some good news. Uh, they reach a, um, an elaborate uh, and cool gate, um, and they use some cool magic to, to get through the gate. And, and it, it, we appear to be kind of on a, the grounds of a mansion, and there's like peacocks in the yard, and there's a fountain. It's very cool. Um, and, and we find out that it's, it's Malfoy Mansion. Uh, they arrive inside and, and we finally get to see Voldemort's war room. He's got a table. He's at the head of the table. There's a bunch of people sitting around. Um, and there's also a figure, um, that is floating or hovering, um, above the table, uh, upside down. Um, Snape delivers his good news to Voldemort. Um, and it's that he has uncovered um, when Harry Potter is going to be moved from his relative's house uh, to the safe house that the Order of the Phoenix has. Uh, he actually kind of intervenes and says that he heard differently um, from an Auror uh, at the ministry named Dawlish, um, and he sounded really confident about it, but Snape says, of course, of course they would say that. Um, we knew that they were going to lay a false trail, um, and, and they kind of all come to the conclusion that Snape is right. Uh, Harry Potter will be moved the next night, um, and that they have to, have to get him because they, it'll take some time once he's arrived at his destination to, uh, be able to break enchantments or whatever to get to him. Um, it's at this point that, that, um, Voldemort kind of talks about um, taking, not taking over, but he's um, speculating that the ministry will fall soon. Um, and he actually gets to deliver some of his own good news, which is that he has um, that that Pia's thickness, no jokes, please, um, has has fallen under the imperious curse, and he has he gets a lot of face to face time with the minister. So soon enough, the entire inner circle of the minister will. Um, will be subjugated by the Death Eaters and, and the ministry will fall. Um, uh, Voldemort gets kind of introspective. Um, he he kind of looks at the figure that's rotating above the table uh, and he talks a little bit about how this time he's going to have to handle Harry Potter himself and that Harry uh, has escaped all of his t- attempts on his life, not out of, of skill that Harry has, but out of Voldemort's own errors. Uh, and he takes this moment to say, like, part of his problem is he's been too careless and he's going to need to use someone else's wand so that the Goblet of Fire thing doesn't happen again. Um, and, and this is when we kind of see that um, the Malfoy family is there, um, Lucius, Narcissa, and Draco, and, and Draco is clearly um, very disturbed um, by the figure that is that is being tortured uh, above them, and Voldemort demands Lucius give him his wand. Um, uh, Lucius is not looking too hot, um, and we get kind of the impression that Lucius and Narcissa are not uh, not as pleased to have Voldemort uh, in their house. Um, and, and Voldemort kind of calls them on that a little bit. He takes Lucius's wand, um, also says uh, says a little bit of a, a joke about how he wouldn't give Lucius. They're not exchanging wands, right? I only mention it because it's the older wand. Um, 
and Bellatrix kind of jumps in to be like, oh, I'm loyal to you. I, like, you're, you're the best. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, and Voldemort then kind of has a jab at her and says, well, Tonks married a werewolf and she's related to you. And all the Death Eaters have a really good laugh about that. Um, and, and Voldemort very ominously says, um, you know, we, we all, as, as purebloods, we got to trim, uh, trim the branches in our families that are blood traders or whatever. Um, he kind of takes that opportunity at that point to wake up the rotating tortured figure above them. It's revealed that um, she is Charity Burbage, who was the muggle studies teacher at Hogwarts. Um, he kills her. Uh, Draco's upset about that. And Voldemort calls Nagini um, and says it's dinner time. That's the end of the chapter. I'm hurt. Mm. How could you ever suggest that I might crack a joke about a character whose name is P. Ass Thickness? <laughs> No, no jokes allowed. <laughs> His name is P.S. Thickness. P.S. Thickness has fallen. Right off the gate. No pun intended. Uh, I have kind of like, 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 th th this is a, this is a hurt and heal chapter for me. Sure. There's a lot of good stuff here that I really enjoyed and a lot of stuff that is straight up stupid. Yeah. Um, that hurt my brain a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't really get a chance to talk about this before, uh, for the episode this time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, 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 we're going, we're going a little blind here, but I feel like this is simultaneously such a good characterization of Voldemort mm -hmm. that we've been sorely lacking for a while. Yeah. Um, combined with some of the most, like infuriating and unfortunate attempts to play catch up with explaining what the death eater ideology is. Yep. And, and also, um, some like chickens coming home to roost, uh, Ari, how little time we got with minor characters at Hogwarts. Mm hmm. Because Charity Burbage is a new character, not someone we uh, have met ever. I think that this is like a, the Charity Burbage thing in this chapter. Um, I don't necessarily dislike it. Obviously, Voldemort's a real sicko. Um, and I think that it's fine. But I think that I have just come to terms that J.K. Rowling can't do anything that like has any consequences for characters we actually know. <laughs> um I we've yeah. obviously we've obviously heard her name before. No, and, we haven't. Are you sure? 100% sure. I I looked this up cuz I was like should I know this? But uh according to the Harry Potter lexicon, uh the character character that is introduced is Charity Burbage. Uh sucks so bad. Can you imagine if it had been like Flitwick? I mean, that would have been, right, yes. been sad. Um, yeah. it, it's very funny because I think J.K. Rowling, especially at the time that these books were coming out, was a little bit of a George R.R. R. Martin type figure where it's like, who knows who will die? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, but like, the like thing we is, discussed in the news mm -hmm. segment, like one of the questions they, they released in marketing was who will live? Who will die? Nobody's going to die except in the climax. <laughs> <laughs> or Charity it'll be Burbage just an unnamed 
no, not Charity Burbage. And, and oh, I also no. like that Voldemort kind of monologues about what she taught at Hogwarts. That is all stuff that we definitely should have seen to establish yeah. this story at all. Yeah, because because it is g- good. It's just like it is. It's playing catch up. It is it is racing to establish stuff about these characters that needed to be established many books before this. Yeah, I'm looking for. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because he's like, but but you would not have taken her classes. For those of you who do not know, who are joined here tonight, we are joined here tonight by Charity Burbage, who until recently taught at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Yes, Professor Burbage taught the children of witches and wizards all about muggles, how they are not so different from us. <laughs> it's like, damn, that would be, this would be a, a heart-wrenching scene if I knew who this character was. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but but starting from the beginning, um, I I like I like this whole setup with Snape. I think this is a good moody chapter. Like mm-hmm. the atmosphere here is very nice. I like I like Snape kind of uh, 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 playing off of this this other Death Eater nerd who's with him. Um, what the, do I know him from? Uh, I can Yax, look it up on the wiki. Or so let's see. Yaxley. I know Yaxley, but I don't know from where. I think he is from the Order of the Phoenix a little bit. Was he maybe we knew he was had infiltrated the ministry before? Yes, something like that. His first name is Corbin. Corbin Yaxley. That's a good name. Um he was at the Battle of the Astronomy Tower, which we read not okay. two weeks ago. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I didn't remember that. Um, he. Uh, I. There's not much here. <laughs> he is. He is at least a name we know. He tried to recruit Slughorn for the Death Eaters. I don't know uh, how, how we oh, know that. Oh, yes. I do remember that now, actually. Uh, he mentions that to Dumbledore. In that, in the first chapter, early life, he attended Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry during his teen years, and possibly was in Slytherin. Oh, oh, I wonder if Charity Burbage taught him anything. I wonder about Muggles. Yeah, but uh, th- this this interplay between Snape and Yaxley is great. I I, I like it whenever Snape is in Death Eater pretending mode. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's always fun. I I was a big fan of it in uh, the uh, what was it the first or second chapter of. Um, Half-Blood Prince, where he was chatting with Narcissa and Bellatrix, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like he is, he's very fun when he is in this mode. And it, it, it's quite a contrast to how he normally behaves, which is impressive considering that when he is, you know, when we normally see him uh, acting as a teacher or whatever, he is still, like, an, a melodramatic, messy bitch, right? But, like, <laughs> he is, he's, he's different. He's putting on a more, um, uh, 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 sophisticated air, I guess, in these in these scenes. It's a lot of fun to see. Yeah, um, I, I kind of like seeing him um, just sort of trying to fit in with, like, the rich people at the at the Malfoy Manor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like the, the thing with him and the wine in the first, in, in the, the sixth book is a great example of that, too, right? Like, that's not how he behaves at the school at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he is not a, he has not come across as a big wine drinker. Um, or at least not one who's ah. Would you like a bottle of my fine elf wine? Right, like that's <laughs> that's not 
the Snape we usually see. Um, Snape at Hogwarts drinks exclusively White Claws. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I I I like the the tone here and like this this vision of the Malfoy Manor, like this this war room that Voldemort has set up and him sitting at the head in front of the fireplace and looking very dramatic and cool. I really like all this stuff. I love seeing Malfoy Manor. That was yeah. something I didn't expect. I love the grounds, I love the fountain, I love the stupid white peacock that yeah. that uh Lucius Malfoy has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a great setting. Um and the 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 image of this this like grand dining room that like is very imposing because your boss is there, but also it like it, it says like the all the furniture's been shoved to the side, right? Like it's very mm-hmm. messy. Mm-hmm. Um I I like that Voldemort I, I, I like this idea of Voldemort not really liking the aristocracy that he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, like, a big, big part of this chapter is him just kind of being really, like, snippy with all of, all of the people who serve him, uh, in, like, really petty ways, and most of it has to do with, like, them being a bunch of fancy lads, right? Like, he's, he's very condescending in a, I mean, like, you know, obviously he's, he's their leader, he's the bad guy, he, he would be, but, like, he, like, it, it's interesting seeing a contrast between the, the leader versus the followers, right? Like, they're not really emulating him. They're all rich and, uh, uh, comfortable, and he's very much, like, this is all stupid, like, this is all bullshit, which is an interesting piece of characterization for him, I think. Yeah, is this the first time we've seen him kind of um, in his element with his followers, like just chilling, kind of? Yeah, because like he, I mean, we saw him in Goblet of Fire giving them a big grand speech, right? But mm-hmm. like that was uh, more prepared, I suppose. And like um, uh, this is, I think, the first time we've seen him like just being like the Blofeld, right? Like he he's being the Bond villain sitting in the chair and like you know, passing orders down to to his his followers. And that's that's not really actually been a thing we've seen him do, really. I mean, we've been dying to see the war room. I'm I'm kind of happy to. Um something that is a question in my mind is whether or not the imagery and the kind of the presence of charity Burbage actually kind of takes away from the other things that are happening um in the scene, which is that the that Voldemort is here, the boss is here, um, and it's kind of unwanted. Uh, in Malfoy Manor, because the the gratuitousness of the torture kind of overwhelms that a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I I hadn't really considered that that part of it where it's like, because I, I was I a little bit had the question in my mind like why are the Malfoys dissatisfied having Voldemort there? Draco, it makes sense. I understand what they're trying to do with that character, where you know he was just kind of a blowhard as a teen, and now he's mm-hmm. seeing what it actually is, and it's really mm-hmm. fucked up. And he hates it, and he has to watch a teacher get killed in front of him, and, and all of that stuff. Um, but as far as, like, Lucius and Narcissa goes, I'm like, isn't this what they signed up for? Why do they not know? Um, but I but I really like that kind of assessment that he, that Voldemort is there, and they ostensibly have similar goals, uh, but Voldemort is opposing their, their way of life 
as he's living in their house. Like they, they just want to maintain their wealth and their, their like standard of living Mm -hmm. and have tacked on his ideology to that. But they're not really true believers, if that makes sense. Right. Um, They are, they're fellow travelers. They will benefit from it. But like, as soon as they have to actually do anything, they want their hands clean a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it just, I, I guess I i felt a little bit torn because it, I couldn't tell what they were upset about. Yeah. Like, was it the gratuitousness of the violence happening in front of them or is it Voldemort taking over their house? I think it's a little column A, column B. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like this is, granted, this is a very charitable, no pun intended, read of, um, of like what the Malfoys are going through here. But like, to me, this is an extension of the thing that was missed that we've talked about in the films a lot of the, um, the, like, why, why did the, why does Draco wear the waiter suit? Uh, <laughs> and I, and I think that like, that is sort of, um, like part of the rest of the Malfoy's characterization too, that I think could have been fleshed out in a way that would be very interesting. This idea that like the Malfoy's support Voldemort, um, but their lifestyle is very like muggle aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Like they have like, like it's, I, I feel like this is such a weird thing to, for, to latch onto, but like, I noticed the term driveway mm. at the beginning. Right. Oh, um, I didn't even catch that. And it's like they, they, they have a driveway that you would have for like a horse and buggy or a, or a, um, a, a car, on this mansion. And it's like, why they only have that because that is like a muggle affectation, right? It's like you have a mansion, you have, you must have a long driveway running up to it, even though there oh, was that's a fascinating, things. right? And, I, and, I, I think that that's like, there are so many interesting reads to take from that. Like you're saying, but also I'm wondering if it was a mistake, <laughs> right? Yes, totally. There's, there, there's so much where it's like, well, did JK just also think that that's a cool affectation, right? Um, uh, huh. But but I I do think you know because because uh, the 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 criticism that Voldemort had of Lucius like immediately when he was resurrected in Book Four was like you never came and looked for me you just like had this cool you you just like lived high off the hog on in your cool mansion so now I'm gonna come and live in your mansion um, and I think that he uh, I, I I think that like. A big part of it is uh, what you were saying, which is that, like, the Malfoys aren't upset ideologically. They're just they're um, they're never Trumpers. Right. They're they're <laughs> they, they have no issue with any of the things that Voldemort believes. They just wish that he wasn't being rude to them in their house. Right. <laughs> like like he put he's pushed all their furniture aside. Uh, he made fun of their peacocks. Uh, he's, he's, he's being, he's being rude. He does, you know, he's, he's, he has no decorum. Where are his manners? Yeah. Yeah. The snake is eating on the, on the kitchen table. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You need to keep your snake in a tank, sir. Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. That snake is a human woman. (laughs) Oh boy. I keep forgetting that. Keep fucking forgetting that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like, I, I, I really like that, um, that interplay between them. But like you say, I have no idea whether that's the intended read. Cause if it's not, it, it, for me, it's just like, if it's not the intended read, it's true. Why are they pissed? 
Like, shouldn't they be elated? Like, damn, not only are we, uh, 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 you know, living out the, the ideological, you know, war that we wanted to, to have happen all along, but our boss is in our house and he's, he's cool and powerful and I want to suck up to him. Yeah, I guess there's just this element of it. And I know that this is mostly for Draco, which is like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Um, but for Lucius and Narcissa, it feels like it is what, because they were there for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess it really is just like, like personal cowardice, right? Like, I, I, um, Lucius has already failed Voldemort once, and he, I think he probably sees this as an extension of the punishment that was also Draco's deal, right? Like, Draco mm-hmm. being told to kill Voldemort or to kill Dumbledore was absolutely like, a petty punishment handed down by Voldemort to Lucius mm-hmm. and Narcissa. So maybe they've just like not reconciled that. And they're still just like, damn, I wish we could have, I wish we could have all the genocide and the torture and, and whatnot just without my boss being mad at me. Yeah. Voldemort's not being very nice to, uh, to them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I do for all the pensive memories that we got that are completely irrelevant. Um, what I wish that we could know in this case is how much Voldemort changed between the first and second war. Yeah. I I hate to ask such a, or like asks for such a nerdy, like lore thing. Um, But I think that it would put in context the Malfoy family's reaction because, and and also whatever Voldemort's immortality quest is, because there's a lot of talk about how much he's lost his humanity, but I'm, I'm wondering if his death from, um, losing his body from Harry, like, made him unrecognizable. If that's part of it, where Lucius is like, I don't know this guy, this is, like, scary now. (laughs) Yeah, there's... There's a thing with Voldemort that I think is is a problem for the story, which is, like, either through pensive chapters or, or, you know, flashback chapters or something, I feel like we see the wrong stuff from Voldemort's past. I'm less interested in like the ascent of Tom Riddle. And I'm more interested in like what Voldemort was like. Cause it gives all the time before Voldemort was a major character. We were always hearing about like how seductive and uh, charismatic, you know, he was mm-hmm. and how like corrupting his ideology was. And he is like a total crazy person in this. Like, like he yeah. is, he is obsessed with finding and killing a 16 year old boy. That's his yeah. n- number one goal. Um, he's feeding uh, 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 torture victims to his snake in front of crowds of people, uh, and he looks like a he looks like a an anamorph. Um, and <laughs> and like those are all really cool individual things. Like like that 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 is like genuinely like oh this is a scary villain stuff right? Like I don't have a problem with those things. Yeah. Um, but it's it is difficult to understand. And to square that stuff with what we've been told about him and like, like, oh, why he was so effective the first time around. Um, and like, I, I think some of it is maybe in the, in, you know, buried in the text here, but like, I really do want to know, like, you know, was he like this before? Like, like I want there, like either not asking this question, but thinking it or asking this question and getting, I don't know, like obliterated by a, a gun spell or whatever. 
the question like when are we going to take over the world why do you care about this 16 year old right like mm-hmm. like so it's like some disgruntled death eater being like oh my god dude you are so obsessed with like just block him just stop looking at harry's <laughs> posts like you're just making us all miserable by quote tweeting harry potter all the time why why are you doing this uh and then him you know him getting shot in the face or whatever but like i just that element is missing right like like why are all these guys following him what are they getting out of this yeah i mean i wouldn't have minded seeing lucius's story kind of taken further and obviously he would still be a villain and he would still be extremely evil um but if he had say financially supported tom riddle in the first war voldemort in the first war and it was all fine and they pretty much were at arm's length and he just got to hang out with his peacocks and be in his cool mansion and then he comes back the second time and he takes over his house and Lucius is like, holy, like this, this fucking guy. He's like, yeah. like he's, he's like a sicko now and is so weird and it's fucked up and I need out and I can't get out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real, it's a difficult balance to strike. Cause like, I, I, I do like the ways that Voldemort is evil in this. I, I do love the interplay between him and his followers here where like he just he has something petty to say about everyone who talks to him like i think that that's really funny and like very characterful i just don't know why anyone here is sticking with him <laughs> like, I, I love i love the return to cartoon cartoon villain voldemort in this scene yeah yeah exactly the the, the way that he just has a pithy retort for literally everything anyone says to him is so funny and charming and and like like it's it's good fun bad guy stuff but it but it does sort of like raise the question like do, who who likes this guy why why do any of these people follow this guy cuz he does nothing but but just berate them and <laughs> belittle them and like use them as pawns in his weird child killing game like that like i i would just love to see a little bit of like what things were like before that got these people suckered into it cuz mm-hmm. I, I mean like i know that the implicit answer is that like they can't leave now right like they're 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 in in for a penny and for a pound like you can't just walk away from this table right mm-hmm. but i want to know how they got here yeah, I, I I think that uh, you got it exactly right. That it's just like we got shown a bunch of stuff about Voldemort, and none of it, none of it was the right stuff. Right. Yeah, he's supposed he's a master tactician. Only we've only ever seen him fail, and you know he's so charming, and yet here he is, uh, being. I mean, it's charming for me, the reader, but like he's horribly abrasive to everyone around him right like i mean he it, might it, as well be a he-man villain in the scene right yeah he's basically skeletor <laughs> he's not far off which is great i love that that like that that's that's good good stuff but he is he is very uh he's not i don't feel feel like he's winning any political debates here you know Mm-mm. um uh so there's another issue I have with this chapter. Sure. That I think, and I think it's a, it, like, it, it's not a big deal because it is a vehicle for the banter that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I I can't get over the core drama of this chapter being, um, should we do a thing on Saturday or Sunday? <laughs> So boring. 
<sighs> I'm sure that this is something you can relate to, uh, uh, you know, in the middle of moving, right? But like this, this just is such a mundane conversation. It's like, oh, are we, is the thing happening on Sunday? Is Comcast coming on Saturday or Sunday? Is, is Harry Potter being moved on Saturday or Sunday, right? Like it's so... It's so mundane. Yeah, I mean, luckily for Voldemort, Sunday comes after Saturday, so that if it doesn't happen on Saturday, they could probably just go again on Sunday. <laughs> well, not if he's moved. Not if he's moved to the super special house. I no, guess. then it'll take a while to work on those enchantments. Yeah, then it'll take. It's just. It's such a. I mean, there's there's a part of that that I do like. I I, I like that Voldemort is having to hand out these very mundane tasks right but mm-hmm. the, the this 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 fight between yaxley and snape where it's like i heard that he's being moved on saturday well i heard he's being moved on sunday haha you would say that i like just i my sources which is better says sunday like it is really I don't know. I, I I don't know how to describe it. It's just such an anti-climax. Like we, we've set up this this incredibly moody scene. You can cut the tension <laughs> with a knife. We're in this we're in this fireplace lit mansion. Everyone is terrified of this snake man who's sitting at the head of the table. And then they just start talking about like, well, uh, which day <laughs> are we are we doing the <laughs> the the child murder? Like it's. <laughs> It's very funny. Um, I'm very confused about Voldemort having a problem. Like Voldemort gets very introspective, and I like the conversation that he kind of has with himself about how he was um, he was just foolish. But his problem is is that he needs to go do it himself. Mm-hmm. He always did. Yeah, he, the problem is he's been doing it himself this whole time. He, he's he got owned by a one year old. And then he came back and got owned by a 14-year-old. <laughs> he lost to a 15-year-old a year later when he did show up after his guys couldn't do it themselves. And I'm pretty sure he's going to go and lose to a 17-year-old. He's just not having a great time. He's not having a great time. I do I do I appreciate his tenacity though, you know? That's good villain stuff. Oh, sure. Um but yeah, his 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 I, I do like the wondering aloud scene just because it's um there's a really good subtext to it that he's like daring anyone to agree with him <laughs> if that makes if that makes sense right mm-hmm. like like he's saying like oh I'm uh I'm so stupid I'm so I'm I'm so bad at my job and like if anyone says like yes sir yes you are they would get obliterated right but like it's a fun. It's a fun, fun dynamic. Yeah, I like this idea that all of these Death Eaters have to be, have to watch his body language and his, his tone so carefully at all times just to be on board with it. But he's also just like an inhuman weirdo. So they just have to be like hyper vigilant all the time to he's his just, moods. He, it's, it's cute. He's, he's, he's just being self-deprecating on Maine. Right, exactly. Like he, he's, yeah, he's just like he's just posing like, oh, my art sucks so bad. And like if anyone says like, yeah, you're right, it does, he'd get really pissed at them. Right? Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Like like I said, I think that the strongest stuff in this chapter, and it does make a really good first impression for the book, but like Voldemort, I think, is 
back to being a fun character to read here, mm-hmm. which he really was not yeah, in book five. He, he needs to be a cartoon. He needs to be Skeletor. Yeah. That being said, the I'm like this. This this is I think my most mixed bag part. Sure. I appreciate him being a cartoon again, but it's weird making him a cartoon again in the scene that has finally after seven books maybe the most genuinely unsettling like portrayal of the death eater ideology in the conversation he has with bellatrix mm-hmm. because it is it, it it is a very good jab from him uh-huh and it, like it's a great scene like like the part where she you know, she's buttering him up and he's like, oh, you know, like that means so much coming from you. Oh, by the way, isn't your sister getting married to a werewolf or or, or whatever? Right. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. like that is a really good reversal. Uh-huh. And it, it, it's just a really good um, example of what you're talking about, like how everyone has to stay on their toes talking to him. Yeah. Right. But it is also like where it gets and like uncomfortably is is a more loaded word than I want to use because of course it's supposed to be uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. But it's coming close to real life rhetoric again, mm. and that makes him being a cartoon villain a little weird. And 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 we are we're, like the cracks are starting to show again. This idea of like, well, the Death Eaters are supposed to be very realistic neo-Nazi racist guys. I mean, like, oh, that was the other thing. The, they do a Nazi salute to get into the gate. I was what I, ugh, I was going to ask you about that, and I completely forgot because I highlighted it and was like, are they doing the Nazi salute, and is that on purpose? Uh, oh, here's the exact quote. Raised their left arms in a kind of salute and passed straight through the dark metal gate. Yeah, I read that passage and I immediately had to Google like which hand Nazi salute. <laughs> but like that, like that, I think that is the implication, right? I think so. So like that, that's just a little weird, right? It's 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 kind of being pulled in two directions here. Is that we have we have much more fun, broad Skeletor style of Voldemort, and then we also have much more realistic, racist Voldemort, and appreciate him being more of a cartoon villain and i also appreciate them finally trying to give the death eaters a real ideology and like an understanding of what it is they want and hate but it's it is pulling the story in two totally different directions i think i think it's almost still in the realm of okay just because it is about such something so absurd as like, oh, your sister married a werewolf like that at least <laughs> yeah. is sort of in kind of the realm of a cartoon villain speech, right? Where it's mm-hmm. almost like moralizing fable type yeah, stuff still, but it's almost like because we have moved into the realism territory in this series, it's hard to swing back in the other direction. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's more of what the issue is. It's just like, I think I would be fine with it if if um, books five and six didn't engage in those issues more deeply already mm. and mm-hmm. and poorly, right? Like like dealt with sort of the real life uh, like ideologies in like the things that Draco says and and the 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 rhetoric around the school 
so so I don't think I have an issue with this in a vacuum, but I, I mm-hmm. think it is like almost like go, going in reverse, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like yeah. we already took this to so many stupid extremes um, <laughs> that it's hard to kind of backpedal back to this spot again. Yeah, Dra- Draco did already yell a bunch of slurs uh, in the middle of the hallway and not get in trouble for it. Right. <laughs> yeah it's already gotten too real but i think like in a yes. vacuum this chapter like i could totally see like a villain in freaking like a- like name any cartoon giving yeah. a speech and having it be like oh yeah well um this is a, a bit moralizing for children yeah but that's it's totally true. in line with normal cartoon villain stuff yeah but it's but yeah, we've, I, we've gone beyond that like we, I think, we yeah maybe it, that's more where my my issue lies is it's it's less this itself is not good and more like but we've already been here in much worse ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a theme in this chapter is like uh, hastily course correcting a lot of the Death Eater stuff um, and the Voldemort stuff, which is, you know, something I think some some ways successful and some ways not successful. I think that I think the Charity Burbage stuff is where it was the biggest miss for me. I mean, I, I'm trying to kind of follow this through because I I think that when Voldemort kind of talks about his speech, like, I think it's all pretty in line. And if we hadn't gone further, it's like, if he had given the speech where he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're trying to take over the world. We're trying to make it a perfect world for only magic users. And you have to be even willing to kill your own families if they're going to side with the enemy of our goals. Um, Mm -hmm. That's like scary and cool for a cartoon to say, I suppose. Um, But I, I just, I can't get over it feels like a like we got so mature and political with books five and six uh, that I don't I don't know how you get back to that. Sorry, I'm kind of repeating myself, but but I am trying to kind of wrap my head around this this Voldemort, and I think that I maybe want to defend it because I like this version of Voldemort so much more it's than so everything much else we've seen. Yeah, no, it's so much better. Um, like it it is finally, and 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 on the on the other hand, I like I am at least relieved and and happy to see the death eaters finally have a clear ideology right it it is like you know that that is so i think necessary for them to be scary you know Mm -hmm. um but it is it's just i think maybe i think the core of my issue is just like i just don't trust jk rowling with this stuff no uh it's it's maybe just like a broader deep-seated thing all right that totally makes sense to me Especially because the charity Burbage thing is so funny because it's like, yeah, I, I just can't care about this. It 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 becomes somehow more gratuitous just that we don't know who this character is, and we haven't been to any of these Muggle studies lessons. The the thing about this that that upset me so much was I I read this and I was like, oh, this imagery is really spooky. Mm-hmm. This idea of like they're having this, and like maybe this actually makes the like are we doing this on Saturday or Sunday conversation <laughs> better? Um, or it would have made it better if this had been a character I cared about, right? Or if they if they were having this very mundane conversation with this, like, body looming over them, mm-hmm. right? I like that image a lot. And, like, it, there, it, it was just so weird reading this chapter, and it, like, keeps referring to the body, mm-hmm. right? Or the woman. Yeah. And I'm like, oh... Who is this? Who is this person going to be? Who is who is going to get it in this? And I was like, because I haven't read this book in a decade, I was like, oh shit, who is this? Is it 
Rita Skeeter? Is it McGonagall? Is it is it someone we know? Like I was I was legitimately like I don't know who this is, and it and it and it is paced and trickled out like it is going to be a reveal, mm-hmm. and then it's like oh it's Charity Burbage. She wrote something I didn't like in the newspaper and teaches a class that we didn't know existed until now. Bye bye. <laughs> like it's just kind of like oh it's it's crafted solely for this scene for Voldemort to do another heinous thing to someone who accepts non-wizards right it's it's weird when you say it like that i'm thinking about it and you're right it does trickle it out like that like that there's just going to be this great reveal of who the person is and it does that sort of but it's for the benefit of the characters in the scene yeah because the reveal to the reader is not who the character is because we don't know who charity burbage is the reveal is that draco and snape know who the character is but we've never seen them interact with the character so it feels like the reveal is for them but they know the character (laughs) so they would already internally know who she is (laughs) right yeah it's 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 entirely for the character's which is like the reverse of what I usually hate in in like reveals, which is it's solely for the audience, right? But like it it it's it ends up biffing it for the audience because it's like it, it is trickled out, paced out, uh, like a like it it is a big twist and a big reveal, and then like I guess it matters to these characters, except we've we have not seen anyone take Muggle studies. I think Hermione's mentioned it like once or twice, right? But, like, that's not a class Harry has taken. And it's a shame because the more I think about it, the the better that idea is to me. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of, like, these, these, like, sort of comedic sequences of Harry sitting through Muggle Studies class and, like, you know, them being 75% right or whatever um, be, would be very funny, right? Mm-hmm. And then following that thread having that culminate in the very sad death of a teacher who is mostly there for like, you know, comedy break or whatever. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways to make this a real gut punch that are not taken here, which is really odd to me. Yeah. And I don't know, even if, even if she didn't want to kill off some, a character that we know or are attached to, it's surprising to me just the way the reveal is that the identity of the person wasn't hidden from Draco and Snape until that moment. And then the reveal of who it was could have affected Draco or Snape being like, Oh, I know this person. And then that's sort of a like character interaction that they could have with Voldemort as being like visibly upset. But I guess Draco already is, but, but it's, based in Voldemort literally saying to him, oh, you didn't even take this class, did you? So it's basically like, oh, you maybe have seen this person in the halls. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that is the, the part that makes it so funny is this, the caveat is like, like, don't, don't worry, everyone. Draco didn't take this bad class. But it's, it's just like, okay, well, great. So no one has any relation to this character then, I guess. It's Except just to show even, what a sicko Voldemort is. Yeah. Well, there's even the part where she, I think, like, once once she's, like, unfrozen, she, like, calls out to Snape. Oh, uh, it's, it's so long and gratuitous, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and like, it's she's like, crying and the tears are falling into her hair because she's upside down. It's pretty grody. It's pretty grody, but, it, like, it at least would have been effective if this was a character that we had seen Snape interact with, right? And uh-huh. it's like, oh, time to time to test how deeply undercover you are right but that's not really what happens because it's not a character we see or care about so it's like it's just a woman being a prop to be tortured 
to be scared for us to be scared of, right? I, like, yeah, I guess we we have to extrapolate that he would be upset, but I don't know if it's just doing that to maintain the mystery of whether Snape is good or bad or not. Yeah, it's a bummer. Right? It's just like like if this was a character that we, I, I, you, I mean, like you said, Flitwick, right? And I think that that's a really good one because we've already seen that Flitwick is quite like he, you know, he is a a a, a Dumbledore sympathizer, and I think he's even like, I think. God, correct me if I'm wrong. I swear that he has mentioned at some point, like, like being one of the more like politically active teachers, right? Like he he does not like uh, Death Eaters and does not like prejudice. I, I swear, think so probably. I, I can't remember where that would have come up, but I swear it did, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like, by, like, I, I, that maybe I'm just, like, inventing a way cooler character, but I feel like that's something he's, he is, like, he, he has talked to Harry about before, maybe. But, uh, yeah, just, just any, any character we know would have been better here. It's, it's a real shame that this is not, there's no stakes for us, right? Other than us being grossed out by someone's gratuitous torture right Mm -hmm. it's like it's not um it has no it has no like meaningful impact for us the reader yeah or any of the the characters because it's 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 zero stakes for anyone really it's it it, none the characters none of the care like snape isn't sacrificing anything or or being forced to to like confront what his undercover job means draco isn't having someone he knows really well taken away from him uh it's it's kind of nothing for everyone and we don't know because it's not a character we've we've uh, seen anything from before it's funny Literally. how much draco's story just kind of falls completely flat because I, I know that it was supposed to sort of be doing that and i think even the half-blood prince movie tried to do that more this this like loss of innocence <laughs> the um, two birds thing. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 you know, Bellatrix destroying the castle that he grew up in, and and all of that, and, and the book kind of tries to do that too. But it's like I don't know about the relationship that Draco and Dumbledore has. For all we know, they've never spoken one on one. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they they had probably the haven't. Very... Right? He's the principal. Yeah, yeah. It seems like Harry talking to Dumbledore is an immense privilege. Uh, that, that he has afforded. Um, I don't think many other students are like hanging out with Dumbledore, right? Yeah, but then Especially he just not... kind of retread that with Draco here, but about a teacher whose class he didn't take. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. And just to have him be like, wow, this is more messed up than I thought uh, is is a kind of bizarre thing to have happen when we knew him from when he was 12, looking at a wall covered in blood and a dead cat and going like, ha ha, you're all this next. This rules. <laughs> yeah, this rules. Woohoo. Because from that, he might as well have been also a Ted Bundy, right? Like he might yeah. as well be just an animal torturing. Um, yeah. Uh, hoping that his classmates get killed guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also weird because, like, this is also, like, the, the same event that he had to go through a chapter ago, basically, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, which isn't, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that stories can't repeat stuff, but, like, the immediately <laughs> after having this big, like, uh, uh, you know, cold feet moment trying to kill Dumbledore, him having it again with a character that we've never seen before in like basically the same manner is kind of funny just like 
oh man, he's really going through the ringer, huh? I guess Harry, I guess Harry was right when he was imagining how all the, all the horrible things Draco was going through. And how he probably didn't mean it. He probably, he probably, he, he's probably, uh, he's probably feeling real stupid right now. I guess Harry was right when he thought that at the funeral. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So I guess all in all for me, I think it's a really, it's a strong opening in a lot of ways and a really goofy one in, in a lot of others. What, do you have anything else to, to add to this one? Anything? Uh, yeah. Were, were you just thinking when Bellatrix is trying to suck up to Voldemort, were you thinking of the cursed child? Oh, actually, yes, I was because I, when she was responding to him very positively and he, before he like gives the twist on the like, like, Oh, isn't your sister marrying a werewolf? I was like, Oh, this is them just like kissing up to each other. But now I don't know so much because he he really he kind of stuck it to her there and yeah. not in the way that would make the cursed child happen. Right. I mean, maybe I guess it's kind of a toxic relationship. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they're going to fight about this later. She's going to be like, why did you embarrass me at the war at the war table earlier? <laughs> why did you embarrass me in the war room? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's, it's fine. I can't I can't show favorites. It's called negging. Except for Snape that gets to sit sit next to me at the the head of the table. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's pissed. Maybe that's why she's pissed. Like, like, oh, I want to be sitting there, but I guess you like Snape more than me. I mean, I I think I think that there's a lot of kind of nebulous talk about how the the things that J.K. Rowling and some of like extended canon like Cursed Child has added to the books is like why people are mad at her. And oftentimes mm. that's just kind of um, something that people say that's like very abstract. And I'm like, well, I don't really think that it really affects reading it. And I don't think it has to, right? Because you, mm -hmm. you don't have to read this text and be like, oh, um, you know, have the extended canon in mind. But this was the clearest, like I was reading this and both the Nagini is a human woman and, yeah. and Bellatrix and Voldemort were getting it on this whole time uh, affected this reading more so than it really has otherwise. I, I think the reason it's so much more difficult for me to like forget those while reading this is because it, like, it's not a case of like, well, some dumb change has happened, but I still enjoy this thing, right? Which mm -hmm. is like, I can still watch the original Star Wars trilogy and not get mad thinking about right. Rise of Skywalker, yeah. right? Because like, one, a bunch like different people worked on those things. It like thirty years passed between those things, right? Like it's 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 just not even in my mind. Mm -hmm. The fact that J.K. Rowling keeps on doling out these little pieces of, of lore and then says like, Oh, and also I've known this for so long. Mm -hmm. Like I knew this all along. Right. Um, it's bullshit. And it, it is, <laughs> it is so obviously bullshit when you read this. I mean, I think it was specifically the, um, uh, the Nagini thing where she said like, Oh, like you have no idea how long I've been sitting on this. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I've known this all along and it changes everything. And I'm like, it's cool if you want to retcon stuff. I don't care. Like, that's a fine way to write. Writing as you go is perfectly valid. But pretending you're not writing as you go <laughs> just just makes a mess of things. Because it's like, no, you did not know that Nagini was a human woman when you wrote this. There's no fucking way. Not on, no, no, nothing could convince me outside of like a home video of her holding up a newspaper in 1990 or whatever 
and writing down. Nagini turns out to be a human woman, <laughs> uh, played by Claudia Kim. Like, it's just absurd. And, like, like it, it, I think the Bellatrix stuff is the same, right? The Bellatrix and Voldemort stuff. Like, it, it's fine if you want to say they were getting it on. And, that, like, that, that is your your fuel for the sequel. But don't tell me that you knew all along and you wrote it that way all along and that if you go back, you'll actually see all the places where I knew it. Because it's like, if you close read this stuff, it just reveals how not true that is. It's self-evident to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's cool to add stuff later or be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't think about it at the time, but I think it would be cool if that were the case. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing awesome. wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with writing as you go. But, like, just this, this, uh, this bold-faced lie, I think, that, like, oh, I knew that Nagini was a woman the whole time. It's like, eh, no, you didn't. This, you it, just, I mean, even in that context, that makes this stuff so gross. Yeah, this makes, this makes work, this, yeah, this makes this way worse if you uh. did. Like, like, why would you not give yourself an out there? Yeah. I mean I like I like I like reading gross stuff. This but yeah. this is not a horror novel. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think so. I guess we'll see. I have one more thing I want to talk about. Yeah. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I can't. Nope. I, I'm I really I really like this Voldemort chapter kind of. Uh, but I mm-hmm. want to talk about their plan of overthrowing the ministry in PS thickness. PS thickness. PS What's thickness. his deal? Um how's this going down? Okay, so P.S. Thickness uh-huh. has the imperious curse on him. Uh, yet again, yeah. a, a character we've never heard of before. P.S. Thickness yeah. obviously has access to the Minister of Magic. So he is, uh, let me check. P.S. Thickness is the head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. So he's he's the top cop. He's the head of the normal cops. Right. Yeah, not the Aurors. The, the regular cops who show up. If you call the Wazengamot on someone for having a bike. Yeah, I assume they whatever. like pull you over on your broomstick. That's right. If you if you Avada Kedavra shark that's attacking you. Right. These are the guys who show up. Uh-huh. I guess the plan is uh, like I guess he'll gunspell Scrimgor, right? Uh that's that that's Well, no, uh, that's not even the plan. He's not going to gun gunspell the minister. He's going to make an imperious curse chain on all of the other people that the minister talks to. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, th- this is, this is the, can you incredi- do that? <laughs> so, so first of all, yeah, weird, weird that you can do that, that you can just daisy chain imperious curses that, that opens up quite a, uh, interesting conundrum i think I would about say. it like vampires because you know when you do like vampire math like assume that if a va- like a vampire were real and they bite they have to bite 10 people um a year mm-hmm. uh, and those people turn into vampires that <laughs> wouldn't work because in like the growth is exponential everyone would be vampires yeah. i'm not going to relate this to current events um <laughs> And soon everyone is vampires, right? Like, and then yeah. the vampires don't have anything to eat because everyone's vampires. I feel like the Imperious Curse would be the same thing. Because, like, could you... That could be, like, a world domination plot, right? You Imperious Curse someone curse to, like, everyone. Imperious Curse ten people, and then they all do it, and then everyone... <laughs> nobody has free will anymore. Mm-hmm. Here's what... Here's where it falls apart for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is a very funny observation. And it sort of plays into this... This idea where so so and maybe this is just Voldemort being bitchy and like uh, 
irrational, right? But but uh, Yaxley saying, I have placed an Imperius curse on the top cop mm-hmm. who hangs out with uh, um, the minister sometimes. The uh, the idea that Voldemort's issue with that plan is that, like, no, we need more people around the minister to be suspicious is very funny to me. Because if you've got one, that's all it takes, right? Like That seems like a done deal to me. That seems like a done deal. If you've got one, you're good. This idea that Voldemort's <laughs> issue with the plan is like, no, I want more guys who uh, who are really, who act really strange and are clearly under some sort form of mind control. I need more of those guys appearing at the ministry so more people will get freaked out. <laughs> like, it just doesn't seem like a smart move to do more than the one. Yeah. I mean, I think that the plan is to daisy-chain the Imperius curse for, like, the minister's entire cabinet. Then what? Then you then you just rule the, the world, I guess. You, you rule England, which I guess is also a smart plan, but, like, it, it, if... Are you fighting a shadow war or are you fighting an open war? I think that's kind of the, the thing that's very funny about this is it's like if you're because if you just want to kill the Minister of Magic, you're good to go. <laughs> if you want to just like control thing, you know, if you just want to like puppet master your way into controlling the wizarding world, it seems like you could also do that. It doesn't seem like you can do both. I'm very intrigued to find out if there's a part in this book where Voldemort gets elected to be the king of England. I just don't, I don't really remember how this goes down, but it sure feels like it's going to go down. Like, oh, like we imperialist the Senate and they elected uh, Voldemort to be minister. (laughs) We've elected Tom Riddle. So Turns weird. Out, the votes are in, but here we go. Okay, what if what if they instead of imperiusing imperious cursing the ministers, they they uh, wait until an election year, and then they imperious curse everyone in the wizarding world to write in <laughs> Tom Riddle as the write-in candidate, and then when the when the votes are counted, it's like wow, this is so crazy. This has never happened before, but there we have a majority of votes from the write-in candidate. Uh, and it is, it is Tom Riddle and he is now the president. Right. He is now, he's now, he can go up and be like, this is so unexpected. Wow. I, I'm so flattered that everyone thinks that I should run the country. Thank you so much. I will do my best. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just don't quite understand his plan here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't either. And there's a part of me that just wants to believe that, like, that's intentional and, like, his plan is stupid because he's just so obsessed. Like, he's he's so much more into killing Harry Potter than he is, like, actually doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just love this idea of, like, all of the Death Eaters getting frustrated that, like, their cool, their cool genocide future isn't happening because he's, like... Because their boss is just, like, obsessed with killing a teenager. Right, he's like, we're gonna do the cool genocide, don't worry, I just have to kill this kid first. I just have to do one thing first. And then we'll move on to that. Because it really is the minister t- ministry takeover plot is, like, an after- afterthought in this chapter. Yeah, yeah. It's they, their, their major discussion is, are we killing Harry on Saturday or Sunday? And then, will we also be taking over the ministry? It's good stuff. I, I'm very happy to see the war room. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into it at least for now. Um, is there anything else, or shall we take a break? I think that's it for me. All right, we will take a break, and then we're going to come back with a few book seven theories from from Ooh. Days of Yore. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are reading the last book in the series, and while it was not as long of a gap between this book and uh, the last one as it, uh, uh, compared to, like, book uh, five to six, there was a long time for people to uh, pick apart book six, uh, wonder who the hell R.A.B. is, uh, and all that jazz. <laughs> it's quite a mystery. It's what a, what a mystery that is. And uh, we're going to take a dive into the classic website. I don't know if you ever visited this website uh, at the time when you were a teen reading. Mm. Um, Beyond Hogwarts. I'm sure um, I did. This was a website that published essays and uh, uh, comment threads of people people's theories and questions and whatnot. And we're going to just take take a, a leisurely stroll through the comments section uh, and some of their before Deathly Hallows sequence uh, segment. Mm-hmm. Here is the prompt that all the readers were given. This was like a it wasn't really a message board. It was like a um, it was like a blog. And you basically people would either write an article or write a prompt and then people would just comment. And there were I don't think there were even replies. It was like just just. Just a huge comment section all having to deal with Harry Potter. God, remember when there were websites? Yeah, remember websites? I miss websites. I miss websites, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this is quite a website. So here's, here's our prompt for this segment, which is Final Deathly Hallows Debates, Unanswered Septology Questions. Like Hogwarts itself, the Harry Potter books hold many mysteries and have many hidden secrets. Hopefully most of these mysteries will be answered in the final book. Is something funny going on at St. Mungo's? Whatever happened to Sirius's two-way mirrors? Where is Fox? There are so many others. What mystery are you most looking forward to being answered, and how do you think it will come out? Uh, already, there's something odd there with the, is something going on at St. Mungo's? Was that a theory? I've never heard that. I thought, yeah. I mean, it's just a hospital. Yeah, I've never heard anything about that. I wonder if we'll find... This is a very, 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 very long comment section. So we are just going to be kind of dipping in and out here. But I'm, I'm very curious if we find a St. Mungo's one. Mm -hmm. uh, here is a comment from Oscar. And these are all from about a week before the book came out on June 22nd, 2007. Great. When Dumbledore was showing Harry the first memory, he didn't ask Harry to translate the parcel tongue. Is Dumbledore a descendant of Slytherin? What parcel tongue was there? Oh, um, what's Morphin. his name? Yeah, Morphin. Um, I like that theory. Doesn't that actually end up being true? Doesn't Dumbledore speak parcel tongue? Or is it, or is that fanfic? Not that I remember. Hmm. Uh, in book four at the beginning, why couldn't they use side-along apparition instead of a part key? I don't think that is a mystery. I think that is an oopsie. <laughs> I, I think... I, I still am not quite sure if side-along apparition is something that is really difficult to do. and that Because I think the only person we see do it or perform it is Dumbledore. Um, and Harry does perform it as well and apparates Dumbledore somewhere... Um, but that's somewhat of a triumphant moment for that character. So I don't think we can really take that as necessarily meaning it's a casual and easy thing to do. I would mm -hmm. liken it similar to Harry um, conjuring a Patronus in the context of the third book as being right. like, yeah, we probably don't need to get down into the weeds of figuring out like yeah. why Harry could do that. Um, but I, so I'm not sure because I, I think that for the most part, um, wizards that travel with underage, their underage children, 
usually use the flu or port keys. I don't think it's common to side along apparition is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And and I also I think like you're saying, I think it is it's just part of the book, right? Like port keys are a a, a, an item in the book uh, that that need needed to be introduced. And I don't think side along apparition was even considered at that point. Right. Mm -mm. Are pictures of the Hogwarts founders on the wall in Dumbledore's office? That is such a good question. That is a great question. I would love for Harry to have an extended conversation with, like, Helga Hufflepuff or something. Because we do see Harry... Harry is going to interact with, like, the ghost of... Or is it, is it a memory? Is it a ghost or is it pensive? Uh, of Rowena Ravenclaw, right? Because we have to see her get murdered by the bloody baron is that rowena ravenclaw i think some some there is a lady ghost i know it's the gray lady i know it's the ghost of ravenclaw's like ravenclaw's house ghost Mm -hmm. but i don't know if that's it might not be rowena ravenclaw you're right but 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 i i want because like the the, it's it's interesting seeing comments like this in 2007 at the time because it i i feel like the paintings being a live thing is just so that is such a core weird thing in this series that mm-hmm. never, and the, the answer is this never gets answered, right? Like even in this book that deals with like death and leaving things behind after death, the paintings are never really squared with that. I don't think. Um, I don't remember the time period that the founders are supposed to have lived in. Would they just all speak like old English? Like maybe They'd you could talk be, to them, I, I but be- you, that you wouldn't understand what they're saying. Yeah. Cause I think Merlin is supposed to have been around at the same time. Right. So it would have been like, I, I I think all the art places them as like like high medieval, right? Mm. Like so maybe um, you could kind of, I guess you can sort of understand old English. Yeah, a it bit. Would, it, it'd be easier to hear than it would be to read. I think is the is the like. I'm having there. this common theme um, of ta- of us talking about these later books where I just can't stop thinking of cool things that could have been done. Like, <laughs> I wish there was a section where Harry found the portraits of the founders and they just talked Old English at him and he had to like, try great. to figure out what they were saying. <laughs> I uh, What I w- – I think this is like the Harry Potter short story slash fanfic I want the most. I want to know what it's like to be a painter in this world. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like it would be a job. Uh, like, like d- d- to be someone whose responsibility it is to paint portraits of people that are, like, imbued with their life essence, basically. That is such a weird and cool idea. Uh, I would love to know more about that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Speaking of the founders... In one of its songs, the Sorting Hat said that it belonged to Godric Gryffindor. Then how come Dumbledore said that the only known relic of Gryffindor was the sword? I have a feeling the Sorting Hat will have a significant role to play. I would love to know how Luna will be able to talk to her mom. What? Are those I don't know, unconnected I don't know thoughts? What those this is all one sentence. <laughs> yeah, I think the Sorting Hat being something, something more than it appears would be cool. Yeah, I, I, there are so many things... Like this goes back to like the um the issue with uh the Horcruxes and the Deathly Hallows, right? Is is I'm not against having MacGuffins or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's it's disappointing that so many of them in Harry Potter are things that are introduced as soon as they um are necessary. Mm-hmm. 
and not uh not because they are things that we have like spent a lot of time with right like the sorting hat we see in book one and we see it time and time again all throughout the series it would be cool to see that matter more yeah Uh, and harry's even had conversations with it outside i think outside of the sorting um like in dumbledore's office and i think that um i've been thinking about this kind of a lot when we were talking about how um it, it kind of I guess turned a light bulb on for me when we were discussing um, the idea that Harry Potter was a fairy tale before, which already has those kind of sinister underpinnings and to make it into a more mature, dark story in the later books almost kind of kneecaps (laughs) that because it ends up being criminal minds instead of just (laughs) maybe maturing into exposing more of the sinister parts of a fairy tale that I think would have been much more appropriate. And I think having something like the sorting hat be something a little bit more sinister underneath and mattering to the story later would be such a satisfying payoff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I'm always a sucker for something that you didn't think about mattering. Mm -hmm. Like that is just that, like that is the classic, like good mystery novel feeling, right? Like, like realizing that some, insignificant detail or thing that you took for granted ended up being important the whole time and it like recolors the entire reading experience for you right and there's so many opportunities for that in harry potter that just go totally unused i think yeah yeah i mean that one i might have even bought that she planned all along right even if even if she didn't have to have um and and the sorting hat like for a for a book series that that is ostensibly about dying and moving on and leaving the world to other people Mm -hmm. um the sorting hat i think is right up there with the paintings as something that godric gryffindor left behind and is having and and has put consciousness in that is having a hand on people's lives Mm. for the entirety of the school right like he he is reaching from the past into the sorting hat and the sorting hat is putting draco malfoy in the nazi house right (laughs) right yeah so it's weird that that just is is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, here's some that has uh, its own speculation. Hmm. In book six, why did Dumbledore put some of his memories out of his head, yet he pulled others out of a vial? It's a long shot, but I'm going to say that Dumbledore used... The Dumbledore that used the memories out of the vial is not the real Dumbledore. What oh. if it is Aberforth using Polyjuice Potion to impersonate Albus and Aberforth is the one who died and Albus is still alive and in charge of the bar at the Hogshead? I love that, but I'm pretty sure the memories that he pulls out of the vial are just not his memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Although ones I guess, one of them I guess, was, right? Yeah. One of them is his memory, the the one where he goes to the orphanage, but I don't know if he pulls that out of a vial or not. That's it. And, and, and I guess the other part is that we've also seen snape pull his own memories out of vials well because snape doesn't have a pensive oh that's a good point he was just borrowing dumbledore's he was borrowing dumbledore's right maybe right. maybe um the pensive is kind of like dumbledore's like c drive and the vials are like <laughs> uploading to google drive <laughs> those are that's his dropbox mirror uh-huh. yeah there you go Obviously, a lot of readers think Snape is still good, myself included. Harry is in no way strong enough to defeat Voldemort alone, so he needs help. I think Snape will be in the arena during the last battle, and he will turn (laughs) on Voldemort at the end and sacrifice himself so that Harry can finally kill the Dark Lord. That'd be sick. That would be sick. Snape Snape does eat it in in this book, right? Yeah. He gives Harry a sword first, though. That's right. He does give Harry a sword. (laughs) 
but like secretly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who is the new Death Eater? Is it Seamus Finnegan or Dean Thomas? Will Crab and Goyle follow in Malfoy's footsteps? I don't know what this new Death Eater thing comes from. <laughs> it's um. Was that one of the marketing questions? No, like, I don't think so. Who who will become a Death Eater? It's going to be Pia's thickness. <laughs> there we go. If R.A.B. is not Regulus Black, and then in parentheses, <laughs> and I'm sure he is not, Ooh. then is it Aberforth who might go by his middle name? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. So that would be... So Mysterious R, first name... Um, Al- Aberforth Bumble- Bumbledore. Bumbledore. <laughs> yep, that's probably it. That's, you nailed it. I'm I'm with this person. Seamus Finnegan is a Death Eater, and uh, Al- Albus is actually Aberforth Bumblebore. <laughs> Tom Riddle. Oh, that's the comment. This is the char- This is the commenter's name is Tom Riddle. Uh oh. Oh, never mind. This was this was a very roundabout way to come to the same conclusion we did that Dumbledore pulls his own memories out and the other memories are not from Dumbledore. Mm. Uh, I would like to know what the Sorting Hat said to Neville. Who is going to lead the Order of the Phoenix? As Harry will be of age this year, where will he stay? Uh, he will camp. That's what will happen. Yep. Uh, why did Snape yell that he isn't a coward when Harry was trying to catch him after he killed Dumbledore? Because Harry called him a coward and he didn't like that. He was pissed off. Why is Lily Potter so important? <laughs> That's a good question. I need to know if Lily was a seer. I hope I discover that Harry has an ability like hers. Please let Harry have an ability. Yeah, <laughs> Other than Please give him one ability. Um, I I remember this one distinctly, not in specific that like oh Lily was a seer, um, but I think that J.K. Rowling said a few times in in some interviews, um, and and I don't know her exact words or or what what she said, but it was very implied that there is going to be some sort of secret meaning behind why Harry has Lily's eyes, his mother's think, eyes. Yeah, I think was extrapolated into this idea that Lily. There was some some kind of plot relevant um, significance, like there mm-hmm. was like something was going on there. Yeah, that maybe had something to do with like Harry's parentage, or, or there was some mystery. Mm-hmm. And I think that that just didn't happen. No, I I don't think that ever comes up. I would like to know why Hermione spends so little time with her parents and why for such an honest and upfront girl, she tells her parents in Order of the Phoenix that everyone who is serious about their exams are staying at Hogwarts for Christmas, implying but not saying exactly to her parents that she is going to stay at Hogwarts, but then promptly running off to 12 Grimald Place. This is uh, a similar style of question um, as people who say watch um, some sort of teen drama on TV and say, why aren't they ever in class? <laughs> <laughs> why don't we ever see Link sleep and take a shit? Right. Uh, wh- wh- why? How come? The answer is uh, we need the character to be around to do stuff because it is it is time for her to be at Hogwarts. Which is ironic since Hermione never has anything to do. <laughs> That's right. To everyone wondering why Hermione doesn't like to spend time with her parents and instead of going skiing, she lied to them about studying and going to Grimmauld Place. When I first read Order of the Phoenix, I was 12, and as a child, I thought that JK only did that because children like to stay together, like the characters in the book or film to stay together, not because she didn't want to be with her parents. Not every part of the book has to have a meaning behind it, and this is a children's book, so that's why I think why. That's right. (laughs) 
Yeah, thank you to Laura for posting that from Northeast England, according to the comments here. Wonderful. She's right. <laughs> uh, if Snape is evil, why did the Polyjuice Potion Moody see Snape in his faux glass? Polyjuice Moody is a Death Eater. Snape has to be his enemy. That's actually pretty yeah. interesting. That's I'd say right. that's fairly conclusive, right? That's that's a yeah. I'd not even thought of that actually. That's a good one. Uh, that's yeah, that's a good. I guess a sincere answer to that in in the opposite is that um, Snape could have just gone over back to Voldemort's side once he was resurrected. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He could have changed changed sides. That's that's a good point. Especially because Snape is seen as um, conflicted in Half Blood Prince and being sick of Dumbledore and frustrated with him. Yeah. Uh, would you be surprised to know that a lot of people figured out that the locket in Grimald Place is a Horcrux? Wow. A lot of people are very are commenting that, like, hey, don't forget, this is probably a Horcrux. Yeah, I mean, the locket being brought up is a little bit similar energy to um, Sirius's brother, Regulus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, especially because it says a, a heavy locket that none of them could open is the lion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, wonder if that's important. Nitwit Oddment Blubber Tweak. I think these refer to the four Horcruxes and the people who will be instrumental in finding and destroying them. That would have been cute. Oddment is Aberforth. Moody calls him Odd. Blubber is Hagrid. He weeps easily with emotion, or possibly Slughorn, because he is fat. That's just rude. (laughs) Tweak. Dobby or creature, when Harry summons them in Half-Blood Prince to get them to follow Malfoy, they are fighting. The word tweaky is used by Peeves to taunt them. Okay. Nitwit, I'm not sure. Possibly Zacharias Smith. <laughs> Shots fired at Zacharias, damn. Yeah, I guess I guess he's a nitwit. I like that theory, though. I, I do... I was not on board with that at all until I saw the thing about Peeves calling him tweaky. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. I never caught that. I feel like um, if I were writing out that theory, I might just spend a little bit more time because I'm sure you could figure out a nitwit. Um, yeah. But but I, I appreciate the effort and the thought behind that one. I'm trying to find someone is replying to a comment mm-hmm. that I can't find, but the reply is very enticing. Huh. I'm just going to read the reply because I can't find the original. And it, mm-hmm. it does sort of explain it. To Will, that is a very good theory. It is very much probable that Harry has a sibling and Dumbledore took him or her away under the invisibility cloak. And that's how he had it. But then why keep it from him? It's true. Everyone has a sibling. Everyone has a sibling in Harry Potter. I mean, like, I like this because it's um, it's so Star Wars, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it's like, oh, you had a secret sibling the whole time. How would that help him? <laughs> <laughs> what what does that do? I guess it might help him be more pissed off at Dumbledore and be like, God damn it, you hit a, you hit a sibling from me too? I mean, maybe if the sibling had been spending this whole time, like, doing, like, uh, elite combat training and then hangs out with them in the woods, um, that could be cool, but probably not. <laughs> Oh, this is a good one, because it relies on a typo, but it is a very good theory. Mm. I think some people will agree with me on this matter. If the name of the seventh book is And the Deathly Hollows, and Voldemort was trying to collect relics of the four founders, then maybe, just like when 
strong knight warriors die, they are buried with their shields. Maybe Harry is going to Godric's Hollow in search of Godric's grave with his shield, which might be a horcrux. That's a lot. That is a lot. That is a really good theory if it was called Hollows, but it's not. It's Hallows. <laughs> Very sorry to this person. <laughs> God, I'm just scrolling. There's just so much here. This is a real treasure trove. These are it's it's wild reaching back into the time machine like this. Will JKR what will JKR write after this epic is finished? I wouldn't mind a parallel series from someone else's POV, or maybe a different character in the future, maybe one of Harry's descendants. Or maybe we go into the past and hear James's story around the first time Voldemort came to power. This rocks because this is indistinguishable from a post on the subreddit today. Some some things never change. <laughs> Maybe Dumbledore himself was a Horcrux. That is why he needed Snape to kill him, because he knew that Harry would never be able to. Mm. No. No. I, I, I kind of like that idea, maybe? But I don't know how you would turn... How would he... Because Harry is an accidental Horcrux, right? Right. So, yeah, that's uh, that one's kind of thin, maybe. But maybe there's a good idea that that's kind of like buried in there. Uh, when did Dumbledore? Oh, there's actually speaking of that idea. Uh, when did Dumbledore first conceive of the idea that Voldemort uses Horcruxes? Was it at the end of Chamber of Secrets? If Harry was a Horcrux, why didn't Voldemort realize, or why didn't Dumbledore realize it? Um, what did Dumbledore mean in Order of the Phoenix when he said yes, but in essence divided? We had a long discussion about but in essence divided. What a cool sounding line that didn't actually go anywhere. Yeah. It um, just means literally, in essence, he was divided into seven pieces. I forgot that people were pretty sure that Harry was a Horcrux, and I guess it is pretty obvious, but I think it also does turn out that Dumbledore, of course, knew that. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot of good Horcrux ones in here. This person figured out that the Snitch was a Horcrux. The Snitch isn't a Horcrux, though. It's a Hallow, right? Oh, it has. Oh, that's right. It has, it has the, resurrection the resurrection stone, stone inside okay. of it. So they're very close. I've been sitting on this theory for some time. What if the golden snitch is a horcrux? Didn't Tom Riddle play Quidditch at Hogwarts? And where is Madame Hooch with her yellow eyes like a hawk in the final face off with Voldemort? I hope that all of the magical. Whoa. <laughs> okay. This is a separate thought, I guess. And it's okay. very good. Okay. In the final face-off with Voldemort, I hope that all of the magical flying creatures led by Hedwig and Fox will come together to help Harry. Uh. Buckbeak, all of the Hogwarts <laughs> owls, dragons, the Thestrals, even the Dementors will hover above. Voldemort will not be killed. He will be destroyed and forced to survive as a mere muggle like his father with no one to love him. This being the fate worse than death. That's so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting on this theory. What if the sn what if the snitch is a Horcrux and the final face off with Lord Voldemort? I hope all the magical flying creatures will come together to help Harry. Why the magical flying creatures? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I support it. I love flying creatures, but I'm not sure um, what significance the flying you know what specific beef do the flying creatures have with Voldemort? Uh, what if there were POV chapters in this book that were just like Hedwig POV chapters of her her and Fox like going around and gathering all of the flying creatures to go to the last we, battle? I have to help Harry. I have to gather the help of all the flying creatures. It could be like this um, Guardians of Gahul like mini mini novel inside of <laughs> Deathly Hallows. 
all of the flying creatures and the, you know maybe buckbeak is initially like no i will not get involved in in the petty squabbles of humans but then but then because he also respects harry and hedwig respects harry they're like okay maybe exactly maybe i maybe i will help destroy voldemort and not kill him <laughs> and just force him to live as muggle for the rest of life um, I'm sure that was in the first draft um, of Deathly Hallows, and that's why J.K. Rowling had to kill off Hedwig because she could come up with another another alternative. <laughs> I love it. The first thing I want to say is that I really, really, really hope that Ginny doesn't die because she is my all-time favorite character. I think I can handle if Harry dies if Ginny gets to live. I have a suspicion that Harry might die trying to save Ginny, but I don't think Ginny will listen, and I think we'll go to fight Mr. Voldy as well. That's cute. Yeah. It'd be cool if, like, Ginny got to have, like, the final duel or something. Yeah, sure, why not? How about Harry getting all of the snakes in England to come to his aid? Snakes would probably love to show they are really good. (laughs) Oh my god. This is in the same tier of a Reddit post that I have been thinking about ever since we read it on the- on the podcast, and I think it was book three, um- and it was the one that was like, why doesn't Wormtail create a <laughs> a UK, UK size to scale Marauders map. Marauders map for Voldemort so that he can see where Harry is? I liken that to why doesn't Harry gather all the snakes in England to attack Voldemort <laughs> to show how good they are? I honestly would love it if... So I, here's here is a detail about Harry Potter that I remember about, mm-hmm. about this book yeah. is that the the chapter where Voldemort dies is called the flaw in the plan, and I would love for the flaw in the plan to have been <laughs> Voldemort underestimating because because as we know from the cave chapter Voldemort underestimates anything that isn't a wizard, uh-huh. and so I want Harry to like get square off to duel with Voldemort and say you know what you you know what you fucked up you know where you you really messed up voldemort is that you don't respect the flying creatures or the snakes and then all the flying creatures and all the snakes in england arrive uh and tear voldemort to shreds but not kill him force him to live as muggle for the rest of his life i'm picturing the um the shot from i don't know what marvel movie it is but it goes around a lot when people make fun of the cinematography and mm. it's a, a like valkyries arriving Oh, out of God. the clouds. Yeah. So I'm picturing yeah. that with the flying creatures and just the <laughs> just the epic face off of, of Harry saying like, oh, cool pet you have here. I gathered all the snakes in England. You're you you have you have vastly underestimated the caliber <laughs> of the snake. The the humble English snake, my friend. No, I could be wrong. I assume they don't have there aren't like large venomous dangerous snakes in england would be my assumption i'm picturing like garter snakes yeah i think it's pretty much the same as here there's adders in england i think those are more poisonous uh but certainly not you're not you're not gonna walk out and see like a an anaconda you know most dangerous snake in england (laughs) you're well there it is the adder the common viper is britain's only only venomous snake it yeah, does they're really not cute look, too. It does not look that dangerous. It's really, yeah, it's really adorable. It's got black and white stripes. But uh, I guess if you gather all of the adders, you got in all of them. If you gather, and and here's the thing, you you're facing off against Voldemort, and not only do you have this, the help of all the snakes in England, which includes many adders, I'm sure, but you also have all the flying creatures. He's he stands no chance. 
those adders are going to bite him and make and force him to live life of muggle. So we've got we've got the bar, the barred grass snake. We've got the adder. We've got the other grass snake, and we've got the smooth snake. Yeah, those, those are the varieties of the snake uh, Harry has to choose from. That's in right. England. <laughs> I think I think the adders will help. I think a lot of adder bites would fuck Voldemort up, probably. Uh, and speaking of animals, there are more animal posts here, if you can believe it. <laughs> please, please, I want more animal posts. I think that maybe Dumbledore could be an animagus for a bumblebee. First of all, he is one of the greatest wizards of all time. Wouldn't it make sense that he would be an animagus? Secondly, before he was headmaster, Dumbledore was a transfiguration professor. Lastly, with the exception of Draco Malfoy, anyone whose name is a Latin variation of an animal is an animagus of that animal. Sirius equals dog. Lupin equals wolf. (laughs) And Dumbledore means bumblebee. This would make sense with the whole where is Dumbledore's body thing. Dumbledore's body was on the ground. Dumbledore's body. I mean, I guess they had a firework. Maybe, maybe there was a huge fireworks display because we remember that from the funeral. And maybe he turned into a bumblebee while that was happening. Maybe that is that explains the fireworks show. We were asking. We were asking who you know what. Why did he have like a like a, a, a like laser light show at his funeral? And that's why, just to distract everyone. From seeing that he turned into a bumblebee and flew away. This is, I mean, Dumbledore must have been an animagus, right? I will say, I think that as funny as this post is, I think it is a good observation. He was a transfiguration professor. He's also like the most powerful wizard that has ever lived or whatever. It's, yeah. It is almost a why wouldn't he be, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost weird how underutilized that is. Especially like, how cool it is. Yeah. The uh, the the other part about that that I find interesting is that um, it's retconned eventually. Like, in the Fantastic Beasts movies, Dumbledore is now the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. So I feel like... Oh, yeah. So this is a cool idea that someone noticed that lines up honestly pretty well. I mean, like like I said, this is it's a really funny post, but, like, they're not wrong that everyone with animal names is an animagus in this series. I think McGonagall mm-hmm. is the only one that is not directly like a cat thing. Yeah, I mean Skeeter, mosquito, bug. bug. Yep. Yep. Y- yeah, the like that's pretty uh, that's a good observation. I I w- I wish both for our sake and this commenters that that had ended up being true. Mhm. Here's a no- here's one that did end up being true and is also a very funny post. Yeah. I was reading the rest of the comments, and I remembered something else that had struck me as odd. In Sorcerer's Stone, Hagrid gets Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. Isn't the dragon that Harry has to get the golden egg from in uh, Goblet of Fire a Norwegian Ridgeback as well? Given the time lapse of almost four years, the dragon Harry went up against could very well be Norbert. However, so I don't think that part is true. Because it was a Hungarian horntail. It was a Hungarian horntail. However, this breeder did catch on to something. Uh, there is no proof that Norbert was even a male at all. Hagrid named him Norbert, and we assume that he he knew it was male, but how do you know the sex of a dragon? It could be like alligators, where you literally have to stick your... Okay, well, yeah. I don't want to read the whole medical thing there, but but, it, yes. but they are right. Yes. Norbert did end up being a girl in Book 7. Is that a Book 7 thing, or is that just a 
Pottermore thing. No, I think that is a book seven thing. I think I think at the Weasley wedding we hear about Norberta. Wow, or something. I, I did not remember this book at all. Yeah, that's a that's a weird detail that I remember is that Norbert becomes Norberta at some point. <laughs> J.K. Rowling said that Sirius's death meant something, and think about it. As I was reading the fifth book over again, I came to wonder why Sirius didn't immediately say yes when Harry asked him to move in if he wasn't allowed back in Hogwarts. Maybe he said that because he knew he wasn't going to be around for long because he had to do something which would require him to never see Harry again. Maybe Sirius died on purpose. He was provoking... This is all one sentence. Uh, He was provoking Bellatrix Lestrange when they were dueling. There was a reason for that. Every wizard knows not to provoke someone during a deadly duel. The book says that a red ray of light came from Bellatrix's wand and hit him in the chest, so we know he's not dead, just stunned. A green ray would mean Avada Kedavra, and the book is also saying it took him an age to fall. Maybe he was trying to fall towards the curtain. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't lose. He just died on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> he was falling with style. I like this. This one's really cute, because it's, 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 it's like a good analytical post mm-hmm. but it but it is vastly overestimating what uh Sirius's death meaning something means Sirius's death means something because it upsets Harry right it's being, like, it's being so painfully literal about yeah. every element but yeah it's just, also he he just fell through the death curtain you know <laughs> yeah uh it, it did not literally take him an age to fall no. that's because Harry felt like an age was passing right right but, that's a lot. That's something that comes up a lot. I mean, th- th- that was the kind of thing that I was reading in. Um, I mentioned it in way earlier episodes, but that that series of books that I would buy in between the Harry Potter books that like collected theories like this and 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 tried to like predict what would happen next. Nearly all of their major theories hinged on some sort of like uh, deliberate misread of figurative language, right? Oh yeah, uh, um, which is. Very funny and pretty cute, but uh, uh, kind of kind of a, a problem with a lot of Harry Potter fandom stuff, I think. Yeah. Um. All right. Should we do one more? Should I find like one uh, more? I could, I could I could listen to these forever, but yeah, they're, probably. They're one really more. good. They're really good. Um. Uh. Da, 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 da. I want. I want like another. I want another animal one. I feel like we've got to find another animal one. I do like the animal ones. I'm also thinking about the one with the prediction about the snitch, and they they didn't um, really uh, say why they thought that. And I'm just like, was that just a shot in the dark? Must have yeah. been, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the other thing I wonder. This is all from July and June of 2007. This is like a few weeks before the book came out. Mm-hmm. I really wonder how many of these would be people who had read leaks mm. and were trying to like post around knowing stuff to come off like they were really smart. And, yeah. You know, like that that happens with leaks today, right? Like something will leak somewhere and then someone will go on a forum and go like, "I I, I think this is going to happen." Yeah, and they'll like get like 90% of it right, but like throw a few fake ones in there just to make it look like they're more believable, right? Like mm, Yeah, like you throw in the right thing about the golden snitch, but then you throw in Voldemort being being killed by all of the flying creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's find Chucklepea. There's someone here who is getting a lot of replies, which makes me wonder 
These are not real questions, rather they are my thoughts of what is going to happen. Could Hogwarts itself, yes, the whole place, be the last Horcrux that must be destroyed? That would have been sick. That would have been sick. This is, okay, like, that would have been, that would have, like, justified all of the shit about, like, why does Voldemort care so much about Hogwarts to me. I'm also going back to talking about Chamber of Secrets and how we talked about how cool it would have been if that book was actually about how a a institution built on, you know, a a racism dungeon, right? It's structural and all of that stuff, like how cool that could have been. Um, And that you really just have to have to blow it all up, you know? I love it because it's this this works so well because this so there's the thematic stuff like that that makes it work. There's the mystery angle where it, where it suddenly clicks as to why the Death Eaters and Voldemort care about securing Hogwarts so much. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for Tom Riddle's character because we we're told over and over again that like even though he is like an evil freak that like like Hogwarts clearly meant something to him. Yeah. Uh, and and he, you know, he even returned to Hogwarts and then you know, asked Dumbledore for a job there. When he didn't get it, he put a curse on it, right? There's so much groundwork laid for this idea. There's also so much primo evil Dumbledore stuff in this. The fact that he doesn't destroy it, but like lords over Hogwarts Mm -hmm. and protects it. And it's like evil or has this like streak of rottenness in it. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah, I really like this idea. On the astronomy tower had, quote, Dumbledore really been Snape, and Snape was Dumbledore. No, not this again. Was Snape so much trusted by Dumbledore because of an unbreakable vow of lasting loyalty that he made in the past, which meant he was going to die anyway? Two conflicting vows with only one, uh, with only one must be fulfilled, so he stuck with his first and died instead of the headmaster? If so, then was it also Snape who accompanied Harry to the cave? Oh, I do like that. I, yeah, so I don't buy any of the other stuff, but I do, there is something interesting about the idea of, like, if Snape had been either acting as Dumbledore in the cave or whatever and said all that very nice stuff to him, that's, like, a novel idea, right? Like, he was finally able to, like, drop his act that he had had to be putting on all all of his life, right, for Harry. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, there's an idea there. I kind of like that. Yeah, and he also knows about potions and what they would have to do with the Emerald Potion. And um, he could have slipped some some stuff about himself under duress of the potion. Yeah. Um, instead of random Dumbledore lore that we don't care about. <laughs> right. If swift and instant death from a curse would be an act of mercy toward Voldemort, given all the atrocities he committed with Dumbledore saying to him in Order of the Phoenix that there are worse ways to destroy a man than death, if there's one thing Rowling is famous for, it's foreshadowing. (laughs) That's true. Uh, What would these worse ways be? Dementor's kiss, followed by imprisoned in Azkaban until madness, is my prime candidate. I love the thing that happens in fandoms where it's like the, the bad guy... Um, is so bad and everyone likes to theory craft what the worst way to kill them would <laughs> be. The like, what's punishment? the most fucked up justice we could perform on this bad character? <laughs> I like this because I uh, the the one piece of credit I will give to uh, uh, J.K. Rowling here is that I think that this this does tie into those um, those poems that were at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Is that I think what Dumbledore is saying in there is that worse than dying is being forgotten, right? 
Sure. Like, like that, that, that is a cool line, uh, for, uh, for, 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 Vol- for Dumbledore to say to Voldemort. But I love that people think it means that Vo- Dumbledore is saying, I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to. It did kind of read that way, though. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, if, if. I would love if Dumbledore was just like reciting the uh, the, the the torture skit from Wu Tang <laughs> <Like, laughs> to him. Like, I'm gonna put your balls on a dresser and smack it with a spike back. <laughs> That's gonna be way worse. That's gonna be way worse than dying, my dude. Oh, you think death is bad? You think death is bad? <laughs> you think death is bad? I am going to summon all of the snakes in England and the flying creatures. And they are going to attack you and destroy you. Not kill you, but make you live life of muggle. That would be the worst thing I can imagine. That would be well, worse than death. I got one more here. Mm-hmm. From It's actually all from the same post. This is all... Everyone really <laughs> likes Chucklepea's posts. Me too. Um, the non-magical person Rowling said will use magic in desperation. Oh, this is from an interview question, I guess. This is one of the clues oh. that she dropped. Was someone will use magic. A non-magical person will use magic in desperation. Wait, who, what is that referring to? I think that is referring to... Well, let me read it. Let me read it. We'll okay, okay. Eyes. Does Hagrid fit the description? He was the only one we learned is not allowed to use magic from the very first book. What about Dobby? Not sure, but he is a house elf. Is a, and are those allowed to use magic outside Hogwarts or without his master's command? But it wasn't I, allowed to. It's hmm. I I'm trying to think of like who. I, so I think it is Dobby because. But I think that you're right in that it doesn't quite. It is not quite as dramatic as that hint makes it sound. Right. That makes it sound like a Muggle is going to yeah manifest magic, which actually would have been pretty cool. Would have been fucking sick. If that had happened, uh, th- this is, this is something that I, this is a drum I've been beating since we started this podcast, but my theory all along while I was reading Harry Potter, cause you know, as a teen, you're reading it, you're picking up on these very obvious themes of like, you know, prejudice and overcoming adversity and whatnot. I was so confident that the series was going to end with like either wizards revealing themselves to muggles and teaching them magic or like everyone becoming with like just something that would bring the muggle and wizarding worlds together mm-hmm. and i'm kind of shocked that that never happened i like th- this will be something i'll be thinking about as we read read this final book mm-hmm. but i've just been so i was so that I, I had never been sure of like where a series was going uh, than that and and Deathly Hallows was a big surprise uh, and and the idea that like I think this maybe maybe I, I don't know maybe I saw this question in an interview as a teen or whatever and was like oh yeah this is where this is going someone is going to learn that you can gain magic by I don't know thinking really hard or something right or like being stressed um, yeah maybe but, like a muggle kills Voldemort or something yeah underestimates yeah. them and they manifest magic yeah out of desperation like or, or whatever i, I mean, was I guess sure we don't know any happen. muggle characters <laughs> deadly kills voldemort theory <laughs> oh shit no there's a theory well like you said i could read these all damn day but we should probably take it to the close what do you say 
Let's do it. Our theme song is Haunt McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use it as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast. We have all kinds of bonus content for you there. If you'd like to hear us uh, talk about The Witcher, if you want to hear us review John Green books, if you want to hear me rant about visual novels I'm reading, uh, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of good stuff for you there. And Liz, what are we reading next week? We're reading chapter two. It's called In Memoriam. Mm. Do we have any good art this week? I can't see it because in my ebook, there is no no chapter art. Um, there is a hand and it is holding up what looks like a shard of a mirror and reflecting back appears to be Harry Potter's eyeball. Mm. There might also be some other art. Um, but I, I will leave that at cliffhanger till next time. <laughs> well, I will leave us with a relevant quote from Emerson Sparts, our friend mm. here. It's interesting that not just books, but ebooks still often don't have color images. This may be the best example in the, of the lack of innovation in publishing. Ugh, disgusting. Disgusting. We need enhanced editions of all books right now. <laughs> Emerson Sparts, I have a I have a recommendation for you. Have you heard of a little thing called Umineko? <laughs> oh shit. That has colored pictures and animations. And That's sounds. right. That's right. That's right. Alright. Well, even though we have been reading this for two nearly three years now, and we're on book seven out of seven, please find some time. Read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean rolls seem tame Better know what you're after If you catch a eye Cause this hot mama Is just a cat in disguise